And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Oi, Gov! And joining us, our very special guest, Marissa Roberto, is here. <laughs> What's up, ladies? Hi. I'm so glad we finally got you on the show. Thank you so much for making time to chat oh with gosh. us this week. Of course, my favorite ladies in the whole wide world. Are you serious? Of course, I'm going to join you. Just anytime, have me, baby. We'll have drinks. We'll have chats. Let's do this. I miss you desperately. I know you're up in Canada. <laughs> you're in Toronto, correct? Yes, I'm in Toronto, Canada. Feels so Holla. far away. I know. I'm so far away. I feel so far removed from all of you. Um, but Andrea, like you were one of the first ladies to actually be kind to me in the States. Like you were so sweet and seriously? welcoming. Yes, yeah, seriously. Well, because I, I would go there sometimes. Like I did E3 stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It just like you, I'm always on the outside looking in, though, because I live in Canada. Right. So we're just kind of yeah. in this little bubble doing our own thing. And then we go there. We, we're not part of like any kind of scene there. I guess, per se. So, like, we go to different events, but, like, you don't really know people. You just know, like, your crew. So, of course, I knew, like, Victor Lucas and Jose and Ben Silverman and those boys because I worked with them here. But then I just remember meeting you, and you were just so kind and sweet and welcoming. And it was just, like, so strange for me in the moment because up until that point, (laughs) I didn't really have any women in the industry that were as welcoming, I guess, to me. So I just, I don't know. You always have a soft spot in my heart, babe. Like it's just Aww. always you. You're giving me all the feels right Come now. Come on. It, it is. It's always That's you. That's so always kind just been, of you. Yeah. So she's of course lady. talking about her electric playground crew for people yeah. who might not have picked that up. That's where yeah. we first met. When That's was that? Also, what was that? What? Well, when? What year? Oh, oh when? God. I was going to say, oh my gosh, you don't know about the legendary EP? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, that was, I don't know, I would guess like five years ago now we probably met that sounds about right um and i i don't know we then we hung out in vegas for sony's first playstation experience oh yes that and was you, such a good psx yes and you took me you introduced me to old vegas because i had never been it was so fun we went down to fremont street and yes we went did. to the to the really cheap blackjack spots oh yeah it brought me <laughs> to like the seedy world of vegas where it's like it, it was kind of sad because like you're in just the strip vegas and strip vegas is like you know sexy ladies serving drinks and you have like a minimum five dollar buy-in but then you go to old vegas it's like minimum two or three dollar buy-in yes. and like i feel like that's where all the ladies like all ladies that were serving in nice vegas go to retire and they're just kind of there <laughs> and it was little like it was kind of really sad for me but it was still fun we yeah it was good well it was it was super casual i think we just needed a little break because we yeah. that was inside the venetian if i remember yes. correctly at the sands convention center it was fancy. i'm not sure if that's the name of it but i remember not leaving for like a couple days in a row and be like i gotta get out of the building and get some fresh air <laughs> yes we uh, definitely had a time i don't know if i recovered oh no that was the night also 
Um, just name dropping here, of course. But like Nick Chester, also met him. Friend for the of the first show. Time. Yes. Yes, friend of the show, Nick Chester. Uh, we had a Taylor Swift dance party in his hotel room. Oh. No, it wasn't just me and him. That it was like right. a bunch of people. Like full on <laughs> Taylor Swift yeah, at like cre- four in the morning. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Crew. He's always a good time. Always down, always uh, DTP down to party. Um, yeah. Well, um, for folks who are maybe wondering where Steimer is this week, uh, she's on vacation. So she's relaxing with her parents over in Florida. And so we're wishing her well and so glad that uh, Marissa could step in and say, you know what? Time to bring some additional girl power to the table. Well, you guys need to balance it out with a brunette, right? Like you can't just have it can't you just two be, without yeah. a brunette. We, we need our True. stand in brunette. Thank you. And there we go. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Listen, you are more than welcome whenever you are done doing the million things that you do. Oh, if you, you want to become part of What's Good Games, you and I should talk. Listen, I would love to have you. I'm around. I'm down whenever, baby. You know it. I love you ladies so much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know how it is. You just got to be out there hustling. Just taking Absolutely. the gigs and you can get them and just, um, you know, living this life. Trying to anyway. Exactly. And we're going to talk more about what Marissa has been up to and the studio that she's at right now um, a little bit later on in the show. But we have got a ton of news to get to in the top of the show. But before we get to that, we have a few announcements that we want to go over. As a reminder, if you're listening to the show... PAX East is underway. Our amazing panel has already happened. And Hopefully if all goes according garbage. to plan, I have successfully recorded the podcast uh, from the panel and it will be going live <laughs> next week. So what attempt My is this? Are crossed. Wait, is this? This is attempt number three. Okay. So third time's a charm? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love the so. optimism. Uh, Marissa, the last time I tried to record our PAX panel, the batteries in my <laughs> recorder died because oh, I brought right. the... I brought the cable with, but then I left it in the hotel room. F. And then I was like, crap, I'm out of time. I don't have time to go back. And Does John's like, I can go back and get it because he's superhero number one. Of course. And then I was like, nah, it'll be fine. The batteries will last. The batteries did not last. Oh, no. God, no. Especially, like, I have a task cam. I try to do the same thing. The battery literally goes like that. There's no yeah, point. It's it like, was a it, zoom. Honestly, like a game gear. Yeah. It's like a game a gear. game gear. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight up. That's a good analogy. The batteries, uh, yeah, we're not good. So I'm bringing the cables. I'm bringing extra cables. I'm bringing extension cords. I'm bringing our brand new Rodecaster Pro, which hey. I'm really excited about. Um, a piece of equipment that uh, Danny Pino over at Gamertag Radio showed to me and that John had his eye on for a while because he's kind of always lusting after new tech gear. So hopefully you guys uh, will be able to listen to our What's Good Games Live panel. Um, don't forget, if you are in the Boston area and it is not yet Saturday, March 30th, you can come meet us at King's Entertainment and Dining at 2 p.m. for our What's Good Games meetup. We're going to have some snacks. Some of those snacks may include pizza. Uh, if you want to see if I'm actually telling the truth, you're going to have to come on down. Yeah. We may or may so, not have food. It might be delicious. Yeah. And it's our first all-ages event, so we're very excited about that. It's in the afternoon, and you don't need a PAX badge to get in. So anybody is welcome. But if you are going to imbibe in adult beverages, you do need to bring your valid ID because, you know, laws are important. Wait, is this a segue <laughs> to talk about adult beverages or not yet? Um, yes, it is, of okay. course. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> no, okay. because I, I, brought, I brought liquor to the studio because I knew I was going to be talking to you ladies um, but I have to drive later. And apparently so I have to our reputation it. as drunks has gotten around. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically why I agreed to be on the show. Um, okay, so I brought something that I'm addicted to lately. 
I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but I'll often get home from work and just like put a couple of rocks in a glass and pour a little tequila rose. So what is this? See this? I like I freaked out when she brought it in. So uh, Brittany, so it says strawberry cream on there. So tequila rose (laughs) is one of those drinks that you start drinking uh, when you are first starting out with alcohol. It barely tastes like booze. (laughs) Um, It tastes literally like strawberry milkshake. Oh, hell yeah. Right? I never heard of this. It's yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't think to to buy it. Probably because I don't venture into that oh, section. Oh yeah, it oh, looks it like looks strawberry. So good. Now I want one. It's um, I'll buy a bottle for the studio. Um, um, what's great about it is that you you really just put ice into it. That's yeah. it. You don't mix anything else with it. It's a liqueur and it has lower alcohol content, so you can drink yeah. more of it. <laughs> yeah, fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. Yeah. So like a strong glass of wine or like a Bailey's mm-hmm. or any other kind of schnapps. Um, and it's delicious, and I am inspired that you picked this choice. Wait, inspired? <laughs> are, you, are you guys also drinking? I have a whiskey I, coming. You okay, see, yes. my, when I'm on the show like this, my husband is my runner, but I think okay. he's currently yeah. addicted to Command and Conquer Rivals. So who knows when he'll see okay. my text message? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's not doing anything. He'll be fine. Um, I'm currently drinking out of my new espresso <gasps> pot. Um, oh, nice. Mocha from pot. I love our it. first sponsor that we're actually going to talk about because I'm like so addicted to it. Um, I but I will get it. a drink for the second segment of the show because I don't want to leave you hanging. Can Take I have a big old growler of water? Yeah. It is morning <laughs> here. Shit. Don't forget. Oh, right. <laughs> I've st- never stopped this before, Andrea. It's literally never stopped us before. Yeah, also, don't... this mug. Can you put it uh, actually in front of you so they my... can see? Oh, my God. That is adorable. This is also, my it's baby. gigantic. Is that like... 40 ounces. <laughs> uh, well, this is just my daily intake of water. I only drink this mug's okay. worth and nothing more. Oh, wow. wow. That, well, at least you drink at least that much. So for people who are listening, Marissa is holding up a gigantic Wonder Woman mug that Smoke is it. really cute. It's got the blue with the white stars at the bottom and, of course, the red and the, yeah. the yellow logo at the top. And it's literally oh. as big as her face. Exactly. She gives me power. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. Quite literally. Um, so those are the uh, announcements that we have going. And as a reminder, um, we have the secret segment. The final um, secret segment in the old Patreon tier is now up, I believe. Yes. On Patreon. Yeah, girl. Um, so if you guys want to check it out, we finally bit the bullet and made a video explaining how we all met and how What's Good Games got started. It is by far the most common question that we get Um like time after time. And so mm-hmm. we've been meaning to make a video to point to people for a long time and just never got around to it. So it's exclusive to Patreon for now and then it will go public for everybody uh, later next month. So keep your eye out for that if you are interested. We also, but- real quick, I want to yes, say we talked about how Simer is in Florida with her family. She actually uploaded a Patreon exclusive vlog talking about her time in Florida with her family. Actually, no, she just talks about how tired she is, but that's okay. <laughs> um, that's also on patreon.com slash what's good games right now. her skin always looks amazing. It's not fair. <laughs> oh, I know. She's just like totally bare face, hair pulled back. I'm like, why do you look this gorgeous? It's just like, get out of here. Whatever. And it's that skincare fridge, man. She I know. She keeps all of her product on point. Is that anyway. right? She keeps it in the fridge? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So she has a little mini fridge that's just for skincare. Okay. I need to get on that. Yeah, I didn't realize I was supposed to be refrigerating my skincare either. And she gave me this whole diatribe about how bad it is that I'm spending so much money on skincare and then not mm. refrigerating it properly. Okay. And that all of the active ingredients 
are like destabilizing and I'm like oh my gosh I feel so nervous yeah. about it now and she has it in her bedroom and that's cool but I feel like if I had a mini fridge in my bedroom I would use it for food and or alcohol I feel like it would not 100 it would devolve into a chaotic it would just mess. be full of those little mini bottles of tequila <laughs> yeah. my little mini bar hell yeah <laughs> oh my god yes this is inspiring me I want all of these things and it reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where like George tries to he flies too close to the sun on wings of pastrami because he tries to mix in in food with sex. So I feel like if we have that too close to our beds, things might happen. Yeah. My runner is And then we'll fly too close to the sun on wings of pastrami, you feel? Oh, she's got. <laughs> what is that? That's Maker's Mark. Okay. It's early. I'm drinking whiskey straight. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I don't. It's honestly, great. Brittany, I don't get your whiskey thing, though. I cannot get into whiskey at all. Like, I remember when you and I had um, dinner that one time. I don't know yeah. if it was at GDC or you were in town for an event. Mm-hmm. We were at that tapas bar near the Moscone Convention Center. And you were like, you had said this so that you were trying to get into whiskey. And I was yes. like, you should start with an old fashioned because they're like a nice, like sugary drink that's still pretty spirit forward. Yeah. And you were just like, nah, whiskey sour it, is also another good way to get into whiskey. Yeah, I've, I have tried. But the thing is, it's not cool if you don't drink it straight or with yeah. like one rock. You know what I mean? Like you can't mix other things into it or else you're just yes, kind of, can I swear? Can? A classic Jameson ginger? That's a staple no, drink. No, you can't. Uh. Listen, I'm at the point now in my life, except for Tequila Rose, where I really just like alcohol straight. Like I will, I just love a gin martini, just straight Ooh, up gin. Classic. It's just my drink of choice, but I can only do the clear liquors. I've been trending to the brown because I feel like you don't want to mess with a girl who drinks brown liquor. Yeah, straight. that's right. You know, that's true. Yeah. So I'm a little true. scared of Britney is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't be. I promise. <laughs> Just don't piss me off, Marissa. And you'll be fine. That's exactly what I mean. Okay. I'm scared. I drink my um, All right. Drink. As much as I want to keep talking about alcohol, um, I'm going to push the show forward and talk about our first sponsor. And thank you so much to all of our sponsors for the show, Bespoke Post, Goat, and Stitch Fix for supporting What's Good Games. Um, And first up, we've got an offer from Bespoke Post. So when you're constantly on the go, grinding away at the coffee or hanging out with friends, there's not much time to think about upgrading your style or apartment. And that's why we love getting a new box of awesome from Bespoke Post every month. These guys are out scouting for quality, unique products to send in each box, and now you can experience it too at boxofawesome.com. I recently got my crema box, which I just showed you guys, and it taught me how to make espresso, and it came with these two little adorable espresso cups. So if you guys are watching the video at youtube.com slash what's good games, it literally came with its own like mini saucer and its own little spoon. It's really cute. And I'm kind of dying a little bit inside about how cute it is because it makes me feel like I'm at an actual restaurant. Um, And I even put like a little Girl Scout cookie on it to make myself feel better. Oh my God. It's um, <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> if you guys want to get started, uh, you have to visit boxofawesome.com and just answer a few short questions that will help them get a feel for the boxes that go best with your style. Whether you're in search of the perfect drink, a well kept pad, or jet setting in style, Bespoke Post improves your life one box at a time. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. And at the first of each month, you're going to receive an email with your box details. Then you'll have five days to change colors and sizes or add extra goods to your box. And if you're not feeling that month's selection, 
Simply skip it. From barrel aging kits to limited edition cigars, weekender bags to classy dop kits, Bespoke Post offers essential goods and guidance for the modern person. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter the code What's Good at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code What's Good for 20% off your first Bespoke Post theme boxes for folks that give a damn. Yeah, and I give a damn, Andrea. I also, yeah. I also give a damn. Good. Give dams. I learned how to make espresso. I was like, what's the difference between espresso and coffee? Because let's be honest, I had no actual idea. I just thought espresso was stronger coffee. Same. What? And it really... Wait, wait, what? Is that real? Sorry, did you have a question? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I, it's, okay. So you I'm can confused. have uh, coffee beans designed or are roasted specifically for espresso, mm-hmm. but it has more to do with the, the fine grain of when you grind the beans. And more importantly, the amount of pressure the beans are under when the water is pulled through them. Um, so I yeah. learned that coffee has the water sit on the beans for a longer period of time when it when you do like a pour over or a, dr- mm-hmm. a traditional drip. Whereas mm-hmm. espresso like kind of like speeds pulls the water through the beans under high pressure. And yep. so it changes the the density and the flavor of the coffee. And I was like, it like yes. blew my tiny mind a little bit. But also like if you're just drinking espresso, there is less caffeine in espresso than drip coffee. So if yes. you notice when you go to Starbucks or, you know, your local whatever, or just bring from home, like if you like, have a drip coffee, I get the shakes. Like I'll fully feel <laughs> the drip coffee caffeine versus my espresso that I must have every single day. <laughs> That's very interesting. You must you must get better espresso there than we do here. I have yet to find a coffee shop that does a proper espresso in the United States. Hmm. I mean, we don't have. Uh, I mean, Italy style. You know, by the side of the road, just pull up to the Autostrad and grab your espresso and enjoy your life. It's more just like you know your basic Starbucks. Um, I go to little. There's lots of little boutique coffee shops here too, like in, especially in my area, um, that have really nice like dark beans where you just like taste every ounce of the coffee you're drinking. I'm I'm in love with coffee, so like it's like a daily. But honestly, if I'm just being real with you, it's my daily Starbucks. That's all I get. I mean, it's you're not easy. alone. There's there's millions of us, okay? <laughs> I know. It's just easy. And somebody at a gig recently, they were talking about Tim Hortons because Tim Hortons is like, you know, Canada's Tim Hortons. Um, but I'm not really a fan of the coffee here, so it makes me a bad Canadian. Um, and then somebody called me out on stream like, no, you seem like a Starbucks girl. I'm like, what? What, well, oh, what does that even mean? mean? Oh. I know. Like, what is that, that supposed to mean? Uh, should I be upset about this? Like, what I know. I felt, I felt mildly insulted. So, you so know, like cheers you, to all the Starbucks girls out there. So you can't get into <laughs> bourbon. I can't get into coffee. I absolutely deta- oh. detest the taste of coffee. Yeah. It's like our tongues are completely different. Like exactly. The Makes my butt pucker. Can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes my butt pucker, she mm. said. Mm. Well, mm. listen, someday, Brett, I will get you a really sugary coffee drink. Perfect. And then maybe it'll change your mind. Yeah, sure. As long as I can't taste the coffee, I'll like it. But do you drink tea? Like, what is your, how do you ingest caffeine? Uh, She's on that five-hour energy life. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not proud. And I'm even trying to cut back on that. But I'm trying to get into, what's it, what's it called, Andrew? Com- kombucha? Camp, oh, whatever. Um, kombucha? Yeah. But that also tastes like shit. So I Why would you? Okay, that's fine. Anyway, and you're not drinking coffee, but you drink it. kombucha. I guess it's better for your gut. Yeah, I, and it doesn't taste like it's coffee, true. so it's a win in my book. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Lots of sugar, though. 
Speaking yeah. of coffee, oh man, that's a terrible segue, Andrea. Uh, <laughs> she time got for the news because there's so much news. We're gonna have to kind of run through it a little bit here. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you guys did not see that PlayStation had their very first state of play this week, mm-hmm. boy oh boy, do we have a bunch of announcements for you. It's really mostly PlayStation VR related, but I'm just going to read the headlines really quick and then we'll dive into a couple of these topics individually. Mm. So they started the show with Marvel's Iron Man VR arriving in 2019 for PlayStation VR. Uh, Going retro, creating PS4 exclusive content for CTR Nitro Field. No Man's Sky gets a full PlayStation VR support this summer. Introducing Ready Set Heroes, a fast-paced twist on dungeon crawling. PSVR blockbuster Blood and Truth is launching on May 28th. Uh, PSVR, the next wave of games coming in spring and summer. I have a whole list for you in just a second. Observation flips the perspective on sci-fi adventures out on PS4 this May. That, of course, is uh, Devolver's game. Mm-hmm. Five Nights at Freddy's VR, yes. which I know Brittany's excited about. Um, Help Wanted is coming to PSVR as well. And then we get a first look at Concrete Genie's story trailer and a release date of fall 2019. We get a new look at Days Gone, which, of course, is coming out in just a couple of weeks on April 26th. And then they ended the show with How Past Meets Present in Mortal Kombat 11, one of my favorite trailers ever. Yeah. And I know it's super divisive because you either love what they did with the music and are into it loved or it. you hated it. But I loved I, it. I loved oh, it. I was on the love bandwagon for sure. Oh my gosh, that was the best trailer they've released thus far. Um, yeah, I was I just like grooving when I was watching. I was like, heck yeah, this is awesome. Oh my God, love it because it had that shoop backtrack. Right? Because mm-hmm. we all love Shoop. We all love Salt and Peppa. And then we just got some dirty beats. Like, it was just a couple of rhymes in there. Plus, uh, normally I hate Mortal Kombat trailers because I can't get into the gore and violence. I've tried. It's just too much for me. I can't handle it. But for some reason, I was really into this one. And I don't know if it's because of the music. That's all you need to do is play it yeah. and just play the music in the background when you're home. And then you'll totally love it. Just put on some like old school salt and pepper and then just like turn the music off in the game. (laughs) They also very strategically cut this Mortal Kombat footage to not make it overly gruesome. Yes. Because it was appearing in the PlayStation state of play. So I'm sure that that they went to NetherRealm and Warner Brothers and were like, listen, we know it's going to be gory. It's Mortal Kombat. But like try to make it not super gory, like no eyeballs popping out of somebody's (sighs) face, maybe. Just like a decapitation. And that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a, just a cool decapitation. It's all good. Right, but then he came but back then to head, life. Then his head came, yeah, his head came back on. Because what, who are these weird time-traveling <laughs> villains anyway? Um, it's wild. No, I can't. Are you guys um, into the Mortal Kombat series? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah? Okay. Andrea oh, yes, is. I'm new. I'm, I've been familiar with it, but I've never actually just picked one up and played it. Like, okay. legitimately played it, but I'm really interested in this one. And that trailer actually got me even more hyped than what I was, than what I was before. So, hey, okay. it did its job. It's just so funny to me because Ed Boon seems like the nicest guy in the world. Like, super sweet man. Like, doesn't think about gory things at all. But then he makes these, these monstrous, gory masterpieces <laughs> that are so, like, far beyond the reaches of my imagination when it comes to gore. It's just so crazy to think of a man so sweet making something so bloody. Maybe that's just his outlet, though. Mm. And he's because I've I've interviewed Ed several times over the course of my career. And he is he is a very sweet, like very kind person. Um, And so maybe he just channels all of his anger at life into the game. (laughs) And we all get to reap the benefit. I need some eyeballs popping. I'm angry. (laughs) 
<laughs> just like the intestines getting slowly falling out, like, out of a body. Ooh. So um, but that game is also coming out in just a couple of weeks as well. Yeah. So um, right around the corner. Very pumped to to get some hands-on. Also, this weekend is the closed beta for Mortal Kombat 11, mm-hmm. which is happening. Uh, we also got a first look at Jax. So I'm hoping that um, I'll get a chance to get some hands-on time with it. I'm actually not sure if they're showing it at PAX, but I'm going to bring my PS4 with so I can at least play an hour or two. Um, so, Brittany, if you want to come by. Oh, yeah. We could set it up, or we could just set it up in the lobby of the West End. That sounds good. Who wants to roll by? Can you play play Christina Aguilera's "Come On Over" song before you beckon me, though? (laughs) Yes, yes, I can. Thanks. Wait, wait. Is that your your walk-up track? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Come on over. (laughs) Let's do it. Um, all right, let me read some of these games that are coming to PSVR. Yeah. So we've got Skyworld, Falcon Age, Ghost Giant, Table of Tales, Jupiter and Mars, Everybody's Golf, Blood and Truth, which is the same studio that made London Heist, which was in the original PlayStation demo disc, which is really fun. Trover Saves the Universe, Mini Mech Mayhem, and Vacation Simulator, mm-hmm. plus Five Nights at Freddy's, which we'll talk about in a second, Gollum, Luna, and No Man's Sky Beyond. So before we get to Five Nights and no man's sky um i'm gonna talk a little bit more about trover saves the universe and the hands-on i had with it in the next segment because i got to play the new build at gdc but um hopefully you guys got a chance to catch the squanch games panel from the main stage at pax if you didn't it should be on pax's twitch channel in the archives um i hope it goes well i hope it was awesome and really fun it's gonna be good sure thumbs up <laughs> but that game is Wild. Marissa, do you know anything about Trover? I don't. Tell me about it. So imagine the, like, so it's, do you ever watch Rick and Morty? Yes, of course. So it's from Justin Roiland, the creator of Rick and Morty. This is his his game. And it's designed for a PlayStation VR, but you can play it flat as well if you don't have a VR um, headset. And it's that same art style. And you play th- this person like in a chair, like in a uh. command chair. And then you control Trover. And so you're in a fixed position, which I love. And then Trover just like runs around in the world. And what I love about it is that it's so on the nose that they're mm. constantly calling out things and breaking the fourth wall. Like, hey, you, what are you doing over there in the bushes? Stop looking over there in the bushes. There's nothing to find over there. Wait, check I think I over played here. a VR version. They made a game already, right? Where they're an accountant or something? You're an accountant. I think You're thinking made... about Accounting Plus. Maybe. Maybe? But it was the same. It could be the same creators where I felt like all I was doing, somebody was just shouting at me the whole time. Like, hey, don't pick that up. Hey, don't go over there. No, don't touch that. No, don't you do it. Don't you open that drawer. Like a lot of that. A lot of teasing. That sounds familiar. Yeah. So the the other thing that Squanch has done is uh, Dr. Splorchy uh, okay. presents Space Heroes, but um, they have done Accounting Plus as well. Yes. yes. Okay. That's the one I tried. So um, it's, yeah, it's funny and it's probably the most swearing I've ever heard in a video game oh ever. God. It's Say no more. super vulgar. If you thought South Park, The Stick of Truth or The Fractured <laughs> Butthole was vulgar, man... <sighs> Prepare oh, yourself. I for only played that game for like the universe. pooping uh, <laughs> mini game, basically. <laughs> it's like where, when else do you get to poop in, in a video game? game? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and talk a good about question. it openly. There you go. These are the questions of our time. (laughs) Um, But I'll save um, any further thoughts on Trover until the next segment. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted. Of course, (laughs) this is Steel Wool. Um, 
it's a collection classic of original mini games set in the Five Nights at Freddy's universe. You can use the DualShock 4 or 2 PS Move controllers to interact with the door and light controls in the office, pick up objects in the repair games, press buttons on the video switcher, solve puzzles, or activate your flashlight. Um, it's the iconic locations that have been recreated in full 3D and optimized for virtual reality. Of course, survive the night in Freddy Fazbear's pizza security office, hide from Springtrap and Fazbear's fright, repair events in the depths of Circus Babies Entertainment and Rental, and for the truly brave, face your worst nightmares in the child's bedroom. Uh, it's a single-player game, of course, and there's nothing better than taking turns laughing at the terrified reactions of your friends and family. So, And that's why I fully I'm anticipate. Yeah, I fully anticipate this being something we stream at some point. Yeah, so here, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. At GDC, Steimer had been lusting over some shoes. She was, she's like, I want these shoes. She's like, I just can't bring myself to buy them. I'm like, we're going to make a deal right now. I'm going to buy you these shoes. And in turn, you have to play scary games that I want you to play. And then the heavens opened up and luck shined upon me because then Five Nights at Freddy's <laughs> Help Wanted was announced for spring of 2019. So that's absolutely going to be Steimer's first game that I'm going to make her play. Do I want to play this? Hell no. If I'm going to okay. play this. I mean, listen, like I like torturing myself with horror games, but Five Nights at Freddy's is like a whole new thing. That's like on a whole nother plane of existence that I do not want to go near. But if Andrea feeds me enough whiskey to the point where I'm like almost drunk, we'll talk. <laughs> Hell no, oh, that game yeah. is horribly scary. I cannot I even imagine wanting to jump into the VR version of that game. Are you outside your mind? You're going to do this to Steimer? That's not okay, Brittany. That's an abusive relationship. Listen, we made like a what deal, you just described. <laughs> we made a deal. We made a deal. We made a deal. And when she's wearing those cute little tiger shoes around, I'm like, you know what that means? That is my contract. I own you for this year. And that's exactly that what's like, going to happen. I'm pretty sure that's the definition of an abusive relationship. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that later. We can talk about that she's later. She's calling you out. I'm glad I'm not the one that had to do it. <laughs> well, no, but you listen, didn't make the I deal with see me. I play did. a scary game. Hey, you know what? We keep talking about bringing back Lights Off. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Maybe this year's the year that we bring it back. So, oh, yeah. so we did a series for Facebook Watch called Lights Off where we turned literally turned the lights off and we had an infrared camera set up in the dark to capture our reactions as we played scary video games. Yo, I have to say, you said lights off and my light that I had on me just turned off. And that is freaking me out. That is really like, scary. I don't... Five minutes okay, of Freddy's is coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, guys. Uh-uh. We need... <laughs> We need to move on from this. I'm, I'm actually okay. Okay, so let's move on to something, something much more peaceful. No Man's Sky Beyond. Okay, Uh, so this is from Hello Games. It says, "Grab the joystick and thruster to fly your starship over an unexplored alien planet as you peer out of the cockpit at the view below. Reach into your backpack to grab your multi-tool, touch to the touch it to switch to terrain manipulation and carve out intricate shapes with unprecedented control. Playing multiplayer and casually waves to your non-VR friends or fist bump your PSVR peers. No Man's Sky VR is not a separate mode, but the entire game brought to life in virtual reality. Anything is possible in No Man's Sky. Next or any other update is ready and waiting as an immersive and enriched VR experience. No Man's Sky VR, like all the parts of Beyond, will be free to existing players. Now that is the cool part. Is that they're saying if you already have bought No Man's Sky, you just get this for free. It's included. Amazing. But if you have No Man's Sky and you've been playing and you have accrued so many different things and you've invested all this time into it, now do we have to leave that world to go to VR and start all over again? Like that's my main issue. I don't believe so. Because I've seen in several other games that 
toggle between them that it's really more of just like a visual toggle okay than it is uh changing anything in your save files or your game settings okay cool so that would change yeah change my perspective on it for sure yeah don't quote me on that but i'm fairly confident that you that it's just like a switch a toggle yeah yeah, no, exactly. I, yeah, I'm pretty. I, I think you might be right on that, but um, no, I'm excited only because, like, God, No Man's Skies just come so far, and Hello Games could have just completely given up. You know what I mean? Like, they could have just dropped this, moved on, started something new because of the way they were just scorched, um, and the fact that they've just made these huge strides. And so many people in my office actually are playing it too. They just love it. They squat up, um, having the best time with No Man's Sky. I'm just like, I'm beyond excited for these guys that they've just stuck it out. That just goes to show you that you just got to stick it out, okay? If things aren't going right, you just try, try again. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that they've really demonstrated to their community that they were committed to fulfilling their vision. And I think they made right by them despite the rocky launch. And mm-hmm. now that community is thriving. And I've heard nothing but good things about uh, Next and all of the updates that they've done in the recent months. So yeah, it should be fun. Um, I did also want to talk about uh, the Marvel's Iron Man VR. So this mm-hmm. seems like a super cool project. Um, obviously, PlayStation has an established relationship now with Marvel from Marvel's Spider-Man, uh, the PS4 exclusive. So no surprise that Marvel is working with him again on this. And what better Avenger to pick to do a VR game than Iron, Iron Man. Man? It's really it's cool. super perfect. When I saw yeah. the debut of it, I've, okay, so what they showed at the state of play versus what the actual announcement trailer is are a little different because in the state of play, it just starts in that first-person perspective. But in the announcement trailer, you see the VR headset on the guy's face at first, so you know it's a VR game. So I will... I don't want to lie. Like, as soon as I found out it was a VR game, I was like, oh. But still a really cool thing. I just got my hype meters up a little bit. Um, I think yeah. it looks cool. Is it on Rails? Has that been confirmed? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know if that's been confirmed or not. That is a great question. But do you, would you play it if it were on Rails? Yeah, I mean, I want to try it out. I mean, I like VR. Uh, I was just wondering. I imagine for a game like, well, hmm. I don't know. For a game like this in VR, is it it better on Rails or off Rails? Is it better to have the control or just do what the game wants you to do? Because there's a lot of flying and twisting and turning and motion sickness is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, trust me. I know that. That's why I'm so scared of VR. Like, I've had a few experiences where, like, okay, this might be something fun, uh, like Bartender Simulator. But um, I I don't know. Anything where there's a lot of movement, I'm very fearful of. Although I do – I saw that Camouflage was – are the makers Mm -hmm. of – no, Camouflage is making this. Yep, exactly. Because, um, I mean, I played their Republic game, but it's so crazy to think that like they made this game that I was playing on my iPad, and now they're going to be making this VR game. Like, what a jump. But I do love Ryan Payton. I just don't know if I'm going to jump into something like this only because of the whole VR component. I mean, good for them, though. I feel like a lot of kids would like it. Yeah, I think this is something that could maybe sell people on PlayStation VR that maybe you have been putting on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think kids can play VR what? yet. No, kids don't they have to be like 13, 14? What is the yeah, age? Yeah, I think th- I thought 13 was like the minimum age yeah, or yeah. they have to be like a really big 10-year-old. A really yeah. big 10-year-old. Because <laughs> it's about um, most... how far apart their eyes are spaced. Um, yeah, yeah. And like 13. as you get older, like your eyes apparently like grow apart. Oh, God. <laughs> oh that makes so much sense. <laughs> no, your head just gets bigger overall. So the way that the lenses are set. But quite frankly, I haven't seen any updates on that mm. um, 
that statistic in a long time. So it's yeah. possible that they've made improvements and strides in the technology that younger people can play now. Well, it doesn't yeah. matter because young people are just playing Fortnite anyway, so... Well, That's go. true. <laughs> Just wait until Fortnite comes to VR. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Fortnite VR. <laughs> like broad strokes, broad strokes. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you guys want to deep dive into any of more of the state of play announcements, uh, the PlayStation blog has write-ups on all of that. Um, let's. What do you ladies think about how state of play went overall? Obviously, Sony made the big announcement that they are no longer going to be presenting at E3, at least for this year, Mm -hmm. um, and that they're really moving towards more of this type of communication style. Do you think it was successful? Um, Well, I think it's funny that while it was on, Nintendo Direct started trending on Twitter, um, because obviously that's what we that's relate true. this to, right? I missed um, that. that. Oh my God, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then of course people, it doesn't matter like anything new that people do, uh, people are going to kind of try to hate on it in some way. Um, yeah. so even on their YouTube comments, it was all about Nintendo. Uh, some, a really funny comment actually was, I'm so mad Nintendo didn't announce a new Animal Crossing. They didn't show us a new Animal Crossing trailer. Like it was just all about oh, Animal Crossing because that's all that people rag on Nintendo for in their directs. Um, but I don't know. I was disappointed only because it was mostly VR and that was the only reason. I like this style of getting my news and getting everything that they want me to know uh, in this format. I thought Nintendo was brilliant for doing it way back when when they decided not to do any more pressers um, you know, with an audience at E3. Um, they were also met with some hate for that but now look, we're all kind of like jumping on that bandwagon anyway. So I, I feel like it's a good thing for Sony. Yeah, I think they did a great job. I mean, I'm not someone who analyzes the production of something like this. For me, the whole point of this is show me the game, show me mm-hmm. the release date. I want to know who's making it. And I think they did a really good job at making that very clear. You know, there's a little box in there and it's like, okay, this is who's made it. This is when it's coming out. It's like, okay, I get it. I have the information. Now we can move on to the next thing. Some people were annoyed at the production value and I don't know why because I don't have the eye for that kind of stuff. That's why we have Miss Andrea Renee on the What's Good Games team. That's why our studio never looks like a hot mess and why we sound so good on the audio. For me, we'd be recording in a webcam microphone. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think it did its job. And people forget that Nintendo's had, what, seven, eight years to get these directs down pat. And for mm-hmm. Sony's first attempt at this, I thought it was fine. I don't see anything that needs to change. I prefer this, honestly, over the Inside Xbox. Although, while mm-hmm. I appreciate what Inside Xbox does, and they bring in the developers, and they have these fun interviews, you know, sometimes I just want to get the news. Like, just give me yeah, the games, and, and then the I trailer, can move yeah. on. Yeah, and then maybe I'll go back and watch the developer stuff later. But, yeah, I think it was fine. Good job. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I thought it was uh, a perfectly good first outing. I thought it was succinct and it relayed the right information and they supported it with blog material that, you know, fleshed out each of these announcements a little bit further, which Mm -hmm. was nice so that we weren't left with questions of like, wait, what was that game again? Which sometimes we get during these press conferences during E3. It's like they do these montages of indie games and you're like, I miss like three of those games. What, 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 who are, who are those people? Um, so I thought that that part was well done. Um, I like that they went with VO versus a hosted segment. Yes. Um, because sometimes if you don't get a professional host, it can be super awkward. Or even oh if gosh, you get a professional yes. host, it can be super <laughs> awkward. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know how I feel about the the woman that they got to do the voiceover. Mm. I kind of – maybe I just secretly want Shuhei Yoshida to do all the voiceover for everything <laughs> that Sonny does because mm-hmm. he's wonderful. Um, and I just saw him yesterday. We had chicken. It was great. Oh, nice. Um, 
Yeah, we went to Bonchon, which is a local favorite here in San Mateo. If you've never had it, it's the best. Have I, I been there? Drop and the restaurant plug. Like both of those yeah. things I'm down with. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so um, other, other than that, I thought it was really great, really well done. Yeah. Nice, short, and snappy. I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to get something like that, but probably closer to double the length around E3. Mm-hmm. Just because they're not going to be at E3 in Los Angeles doesn't mean that they don't have announcements, right? Like yeah, We still course. need a release date for Dreams. We still need a release date for The Last of Us Part Two. We need to know what's going on with Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. What the heck is happening with Death Stranding, right? Like, we still have a lot of question marks Nobody about their exclusives. Oh so, Yeah, um, no, I yeah. feel you. But is, do you feel like this is the direction that, like, now every publisher should go with? Like, do Gosh, we need... Gosh, I hope not. Okay, because I still enjoy, like, meeting up with everybody, yeah. seeing everybody <laughs> going into the theater and taking it all the in and having this visceral experience. Yeah. I'm with you. I, yeah. For me as a fan, I love the hype of these press conferences. And I think mm-hmm. Sony's always was the most hype, right? You know, you have the little mini party beforehand and it's like, boom, 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 boom. Here are the, here are the games. Here are the games. As a fan, yeah, I hope that they don't all go this way. But I guess if you remove that, it makes sense to do these kind of things. You know, do you feel like maybe the they, they didn't, they're not going to do it this year because last year, Sony people were complaining on Twitter about the presser like sony's presser because you you guys you went to one room and then you went to another room or something and and people like everybody was on twitter describing it in a negative way which i don't think that had anything to do with what they did this year i think it all just comes down to inventory and what they have to show but um yeah yeah i would take one of those little walkie room press conferences again if it means they were having another one well, I'll yeah. Take it. No, like the what they did after that first presentation for The Last of Us Part Two in the next room where we all sat in theater style seating and there was a giant screen and it felt very much like a press conference. Mm. That was fine. Yeah. I just the reason why I ragged on the first part of it was because there was it was all one level and it was like a thousand people in that room. And so if you weren't at the very front of the room, you could not see the screen mm. and what was happening because it wasn't like a slope or stadium seating. It was all just like a standing in a, like a giant warehouse mm. um, that was designed to look like the church in The Last of Us Part Two. And while atmospheric and kind of cool, at the same time, like I'm there to see the presentation and to hear the news. And I couldn't even see Sean mm-hmm. Layden when he was on stage mm. because I couldn't see the stage. <laughs> right. I remember I had to brace myself against some strangers that were very nice in front of me and let me put my hand on their shoulders so I could like push myself up so I could look between their heads. Yeah. Aww. It just was poorly thought out in that regard of like, mm. hey, we're not there to have an experience. We're there to get information yeah. and to watch what you're presenting. And that's why I really appreciated when we went to the next room where the Ghost of Tsushima presentation was. It was a much better experience overall. And that's where, you know, the gift heard around the world from Brittany came yeah. from. Resident Evil 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And so we like, have those moments. We want more moments like that at yes. these. Right? Exactly. 100%. So I just don't, I don't know. I just feel like, like part of me just felt like if that were me putting on a huge show and I went to all this trouble and spent all this money putting together this amazing experience and if people just kind of dog me for it on Twitter, I'd be like, you know what? This is why we can't have nice things. You can't have (laughs) the same more. You know, I'm just going to do a little video presentation. Yeah. No, you're right. And sometimes I think we forget about that because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to fall into a trap of hot takes. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I tweeted about before E3 last year, um, before, you know, the EA Play press conference kicked off. 
because I got to spend so much time with several different development teams working on EA Play and seeing just how hard literally hundreds of people across all of the studios that work under EA Mm -hmm. worked to put together their trailers and their graphics and the script and everything that they were going to present and they were nervous and excited and so I had tweeted you know just remember regardless of what your expectations are for what's being presented like people made these things people worked really hard on them and just try to temper your hot takes with the notion that you're putting a hot take on someone's really hard work yeah so like I enjoy a good hot take of course we all do (laughs) but try not to be hurtful or mean or derogatory for the sake of being derogatory yes. it's like let's try to lift people up and we're all guilty of it but I oh think yeah it's something that we all could be better about okay so that was a lesson from sony <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> that was like yeah. they secretly got it in there without having to say anything yeah maybe, or maybe exactly. nintendo taught us the lesson first because they were rigged on so much during their pressers i don't know if you remember like we music Mm. Yeah. Do you remember? That was mm. that was not good. And I people mean, were really I, me- they're mean. They're so mean. They were, but I feel like Nintendo has such a hardcore fan base that always shines a light on how great Nintendo is that mm. even if there's people ragging on them, because let's be honest, like there's always gonna be that one guy or that one girl who's just mean for the sake of being mean to anybody because they just hate life and they want everyone to know how much they hate life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Nintendo gets the, gets the brighter end because I feel like they just have such a dedicated hardcore fan base that's been with them for decades. I think at this point you just respect the weird things they do and you're like, that's weird, but Hey, you do you Nintendo. It's obviously (laughs) worked. You're doing great. We support you. Yeah. Yeah, Indeed. All right, so moving on to Idea at Xbox, since Brittany brought that up, mm. um, they had their own little mini um, YouTube show that came out this week for the Idea at Xbox Game Pass Indie Showcase. And they said that they're going to be doing these regularly, specifically for the indie games that are coming to Game Pass. Mm. And so on Game Pass Day 1, when the release is official and i don't think we have dates for all of these yet Mm -hmm. um but they announced it's going to be killer queen black outer wilds void bastards um operencia i think operencia uh the stolen sun i probably should have double checked how to say that supermarket shriek the good life after party blazing chrome so we talked about after party on the show last week game looks great um marissa do you know about after party the drinking game oh what yeah. yeah. So you have to drink your way out of hell. Your two, your you, two best friends who get sent to hell unexpectedly, and you find out that there's a loophole to get out of hell, and it's that you have to outdrink Satan. Oh my god! Like yeah. drink of choice. So there is a variety of drinks in the game that okay. change the way that you interact with people. So essentially, it's like a narrative-based adventure game at its oh core. And there's a couple little mini games. And when you go and drink at these different bars around hell, each of the drinks kind of gives you a different personality trait. Like one will make you flirty. One will make you talk like a pirate. One will make you angry. Um, Wait, which one's flirty? Is it gin? um, Actually, they all have made up names and their descriptions all sound really gross. (laughs) Like the bloody stool. Don't forget you're still still in hell. So important to remember. But yeah, so okay. what's cool about it is that, um, you know, once you have a drink, it'll change the way that you 
uh, talk to people in the game. So it'll so you normally have like a, a left or right dialogue choice, and then if you have a drink, there's like a third choice. Yes, okay. that is based off the drink you had. Yo, I'm so down for this. Yeah, the yeah. writing's really good and really funny. Yeah, it's from the same Important. team that did Oxenfree. If you okay. ever played that, okay. Um, no, I'm just down for any kind of. But wait, now this is like a solo experience. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can okay. play with friends, but it's single okay. player. Gotcha. Okay. Just something that you can stream. I just feel like they need to, they do a lot of service now, or a lot of these games do service for streamers out there, because a lot of people would love to just watch a game like this being played. True. You know? Yeah. I mean, we enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We'll make time and play it, and then we'll drink and answer chat questions. It'll Hell be great. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have too much else to say about idea at Xbox. Indie games are cool. Play um, indie games. Yeah, Game I mean, pass. the supermarket shriek thing is interesting only because I think you just, I think you're just shrieking into a microphone to play the game. Like Wait, you, really? You, oh. Yes, it's like a co-op game, and you and the other person you're playing the game with just literally shriek into a microphone to turn in that direction. That's amazing. Did you ever watch Supermarket Sweep back in the day? No. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. Is it an American thing? It must be. Yeah, it's a game show. Okay. They would unleash all these people in a supermarket, and then the goal would be to get as many expensive items in your cart as you can before the time runs out. And sometimes, like, these big prizes would be these big inflatable, like, meats, and you have to get them in your cart anyway. So that's where my mind always goes when I see Supermarket Shriek. Okay. I mean... It sounds like that's absolutely nothing like what the game is. (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, there, there was probably shrieking in that game show. It's true. There was. So, yeah, it's relatable. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I pulled up the, <laughs> the little write-up about it over on Engadget. It says, the premise of the game is simple. You're a man stuck in a shopping cart with a goat. Firmly wedged into the lorry, your only means of mobility is your shrieks of terror propelling you through a maze-like market riddled with booby traps. With 30 levels available at launch later this summer, that adds up to a lot of hollering. The yeah. controls are delightfully straightforward. In single-player mode, you can control the man and the goat independently using the left and right triggers. Okay. Having one yell turns you left, having the other yell turns you right. Right. Having them scream simultaneously to move forward, there is no reverse. <laughs> Andrea, we must have been, I know we were tipsy during the kind of funny live stream we did, but remember that gif of all of us sticking our heads up and our tongues out and going, but yes, that's for this yes. game. Right, because it says it gets even better with a friend. Plug a microphone into each of your controllers and have each person start yelling. The louder you are, the harder you turn, and the faster you go. The effect is similar to the classic NES Marble Madness, but each person has control of just half of the avatar's movement. It's a challenge, and be sure to keep plenty of lozenges on hand. I mean, I think we found what we were doing during our after hours stream. I mean, obviously. <laughs> you don't want to hear a scream for 90 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh God. Okay, when are you guys going to do like a kind of, or not kind of funny, sorry, What's Good Games ASMR stream? Oh, oh wow. Um, wow. You know, well, Steimer was mentioning this the other day about she doing hates it. ASMR. I have to be honest, I'm still kind of confused about what it is, even though people have explained it to me several times. Yeah, it's odd. It's very strange. I've been uh, asked to do ASMR as well, but I always feel like it's like a like a pervy thing. Like I don't know yeah, sh- if it, you know. Right. Like I don't. I I can't tell. Like I'm not sure if people are really just listening and it actually puts them to sleep. If they find it soothing in some way, um, <laughs> or just gives them you know the shivers, or like. But how can you just watch somebody do it for hours? I don't understand that. Like it seems yeah. kind of wrong. Is it innocent or is it like when you get those random messages from people who are like, take yeah. a picture of your feet and send them to me? <laughs> it's like, this is not for a good reason. 
Yeah, anyway. that's kind of what it feels like. Um, I, I mean, I totally, I could be wrong. I don't live in that world. I just thought it was so funny how like the the mainstream world was introduced to ASMR via the Super Bowl because there was like that ASMR yeah um, commercial, and so many people were so confused as to what this was. But it gave them feelings. I can't, I don't know what kind of feelings, but it gave them, you know, tinglies. It gave me tinglies. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I honestly didn't see it because I was in Australia and I didn't get to watch any of the commercials because all the ads in Australia were different during the Super Bowl. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Busy riding kangaroos. But yeah, I I think I could find it on YouTube if I was really intrigued, but. I think the takeaway, going back to ID at Xbox, is just that Game Pass continues to be a very good deal. And there are a few games on here that I know I want to pay full price for. Um, Outer Wilds, I'm interested in. Operencia, it's an RPG. The Good Life, which is, I think, Boy Bastards looks really fun, Yeah. The Cat Game and After Party. So, Mm -hmm. hey, Mm -hmm. go on through Bad Self, Xbox. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, next up, speaking of subscription services, Mm -hmm. Apple is throwing their hat in the ring. They've announced Apple Arcade, a subscription service for premium games. This write-up comes from Kotaku. Apple announced Apple Arcade, their game service for Apple devices, with a lineup including games from developers like Sega, Konami, Mistwalker, the studio founded by Final Fantasy creators Hironobu Sakaguchi. Mm -hmm. Coming this fall to iPhone, iPad, Apple computers, and Apple TV, Apple Arcade, is a service that provides unlimited access to premium games for a monthly subscription. The service was introduced on stage with a video showcase of game creators, including Sakaguchi showing off the gorgeous Fantasia. Fantasia? Mm-hmm. Fantasian. Yes. Fantasian? Fantasian? There's an N at the end. Yeah. There is an N at the end. I can read. As well as handpicking games with the service, Apple's also contributing to the development of games with the platform. All games on Apple Arcade will be playable offline and will feature no ads or in-app purchases. No mm-hmm. pricing was announced for the Apple Arcade subscription service, which launches across Apple devices this fall. The service will launch with more than 100 games, including Overland, Beyond a Steel Sky, Where Cards Fall, Sonic Racing, and more. Hmm. 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 I feel like hmm. they kind of had to go in this direction for uh, developers, also to just keep up with the Kardashians uh, that is Amazon. But um, I don't know if it's going to be like an all-encompassing service that Amazon uh, provides that is, you know, the music, the video, the Twitch subscription, the YouTube. Like, they, they've got so much going on with that one monthly fee that I don't know, like, I feel like Apple needs to also give me this one monthly fee, but also give me Apple Music. Um, you know, give me something else outside of the games, because most of the games that I play on my iOS device are freemium. Like, they're, they're free games that I jump into. Like, this is, I guess, their answer for that, because so many people will only buy freemium games. Um, but if I'm paying something now, I just feel like it's got to be everything. Like, I want it all. I want the world. No, they absolutely said that this was designed specifically to combat the free-to-play games market and the Mm -hmm. issue of discoverability with paid games on the App Store. I mean, they said there's over 300,000 games available on your iOS devices, and that is wild to think about. So discoverability, a huge issue for developers. So if they come in at a reasonable price point, I can see this being incredibly popular. It's going to be tough to figure out what people would be willing to pay for. Mm -hmm. 
Is $10 too much? It kind of feels like, yes, it is. Is $5 too little? Is $3 too little? Like, Mm -hmm. is it going to be $7.99? Like, how do you decide, like, what it's going to cost? Yeah. I mean, 100 games, and it sounds like they have some... I mean, I don't know shit about iOS games, admittedly. I was going through the list of games that have been released. I'm like, (laughs) I don't really know what any of these are because I don't play mobile games, really. Um, but for 10 bucks, I mean, if you get a hundred games and they're going to be rotating games in and out, I feel like that's a very reasonable price. I mean, look at game pass, right? That's something people are willing to do. Right. But most mobile games are only a few hours long. Um, Mm -hmm. they're not like a, even a 20 hour, 30, 40, 50 hour experience. Like you're getting some of the games available. So yeah, it depends. What are these games? You know, if you have final fantasy four on there, like that's a very, very long game. It's so I, I just don't know enough about the games to be able to justify what a reasonable price point would be. I guess. Yeah, I mean, some of them are like incredible. I, I mean, the people that made Monument Valley made Florence, and that, that's like a four dollar game, I think. Or for Canadians, it was four dollars. Um, I just like I would pay maybe that much four ninety nine a month. I just don't want to keep adding to my this monthly fee upon on top of this monthly fee on this. Like I have too many monthly fees going on where it's just like I don't know if I want another one mixed in when I'm already completely satisfied with all the games that I have so far, including the games that I've already paid for on my iOS device. Like I am rocking Roller Coaster Tycoon still eight dollars <laughs> for that shit, but I'm on it constantly because it's a perfect like plain game. And I do love that you can you can play these games without an internet connection. That's pretty important um, because a lot of people use this stuff while they're traveling too, right? So um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It just really depends on the price and if I want to add it to my already stacked up um, bill every month. Yeah, Yeah, just one more thing to add to the pile. I'll probably do it because I love mobile games and I am so excited that this focuses on offline games. Yes, because so many games on mobile required to be on your connection and when i'm on an airplane and i don't want to play my switch Mm -hmm. i want something maybe a little bit of a more succinct experience Mm -hmm. like there's so many great mobile games they're just like an hour or two or maybe Mm -hmm. three or four hours and then bam you're done Hell yeah, I'm Great. on that train for sure. I know, because I will bring my Switch with me on the plane always, but I often, just because it's the easier thing, my phone is already in my hand, just open up a game and start playing and building my parks in Rollercoaster Tycoon. I can't stop. I cannot stop with Rollercoaster Tycoon. Like, it pisses me off so much because I keep failing my <laughs> objectives, like, by, like, three people. So annoying. But I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, love what you love. We're not here to stop you from it. Okay. I mean, Good. I do. I do love that. Okay, it's just, <laughs> I'm just okay. Kidding. I'm going to run through this next story, okay. and then Brittany, I'm going to let you take the final one. Um, just because I wanted to just mention that this game is happening. We don't have any details about it, but uh, Dedalic Entertainment announced the Lord of the Rings Gollum, a new mm-hmm. narrative-based action adventure game. So this write-up comes from Game Informer. It follows the story of Smeagol's corruption through the One Ring to rule them all. The narrative-driven action adventure title promises to remain true to the original lore, but we'll also explore new events and details related to Gollum's journey. Quote, we tell Gollum's story from a perspective never seen before in any storytelling medium, all the while staying true to the legendary books of J.R.R. Tolkien, says mm-hmm. the Dalek CEO, Karsten Fichtelman. At a time when the games industry is undergoing structural changes and seeing new business models evolve, we are excited to realize a huge new production based on a story that has stayed fresh and relevant for more than 60 years. So it's being built by their in-house studio using Unreal Engine and will release 
in 2021 on PC and, quote, all relevant console platforms at that time, which definitely means next-gen for Xbox mm-hmm. and PlayStation, I whatever those quote. names end up being. Um, and what's exciting, too, is that this is going to be releasing around the same time as Amazon's new Lord of the Rings series that they are working on, which is also <laughs> set to debut in 2021. Dang. Cool. Yeah. More Lord I mean, of the Rings. Let's go. Gollum yeah. freaks me out. I don't know if I can handle a game of just him. It's true. I mean, there's. I'm well, sure there's interesting gameplay there. If you look, Gollum and Schmeagol, is that the other Smeagol. dude? Yeah, Schmeagol. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Schmeagol, I don't fucking know. It, it, you know, it's like you can make them talk to each other. Maybe you choose, like, maybe it's a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. You know, at the end, maybe yeah. you get a good ending or bad ending, depending on who made most decisions in your life. But honestly, like, I'm very excited for Lord of the Rings fans. Like, this is great. I will mm-hmm. definitely try this, but I'm a little worried because, like, that whole thing just freaks me out a little bit. It just mm-hmm. makes me feel uneasy. It's the way my raggedy and all made me feel when I was a child. Just a little I uneasy. I that you like feeling uneasy in games. Isn't that your thing? Yeah, I, like, intentionally uneasy. Like, if I'm playing a horror game, I want to feel uneasy. I don't want to have to stare at this big-eyed creature this whole time yes. and listen to it talk to itself. That just, <laughs> ugh. <laughs> yeah, have, like, all that internal dialogue. That would be actually pretty freaky although i do kind of miss living in the lord of the rings universe like i just used to binge those movies like every christmas i I try to do it but now that i've had game of thrones it's like you know what that fulfills my fantasy intake um so i just feel like maybe a game like this could bring me back into that world and then it tying it to um amazon i just feel like it's kind of perfect with the timing like you never know it could be incredible i hope so fingers crossed maybe if they cut off all of his straggly hair his little scraggles <laughs> maybe i'll feel less uneasy about it i don't but wait, know wait do, do they wait is it first if it's first person oh god what if they put okay. little hairs in the camera so that's all you see are little hairs <laughs> well, hanging in the don't forget that they have said that the setting of this game is meant to be before the events of the hobbit so okay. what, that, what that means is that you're going to be see a golem that isn't as far gone as he is oh, in god. the lord of the rings so this is potentially a <laughs> hundred years or more ahead of the event His of the Lord of the Rings. His journey madness. Because people forget that, that Gollum is old. He's really <laughs> old. The One Ring has like warped him and demented him. He used to be a hobbit. Yeah. And that's who Smeagol is, right? And so I, I'm really interested to see like what part of you know, the lore they're really going to dig into with this. And I don't want to get too far down the Tolkien rabbit hole. Um, I'll have to consult my favorite Tolkien expert, Miss Alexa Ray, and see what her thoughts are. Maybe I'll bring back a quote for you guys uh, for next (laughs) week's show. Um, All right, Brittany, the final news story. Let's get to it. All right. Nintendo to launch two new Switch models. There should be a question mark at the end of that. So (laughs) this comes from the the WSG, and we paid a subscription. So support people who do good work. We finally did it. Nintendo plans to launch two new versions of its Switch gaming console as early as this summer, people familiar with the matter said, as the company seeks to sustain sales momentum for the product going into a crucial third year. One version will have enhanced features targeted at avid video gamers, although it won't be as powerful as Sony's PlayStation 4 Pro or Microsoft's Xbox One X, according to parts suppliers and software developers for Nintendo who have access to a prototype of the machine. The other version is a cheaper option for casual gamers that Nintendo sees as a successor to its aging handheld 3DS device, the Mm. suppliers and developers say. The new models are likely to be unveiled at E3 Video Game Expo in Los Angeles in June and possibly released a few months later, one person familiar with Nintendo's plan said. Kyoto-based Nintendo declined to comment. Prices for the new Switch models couldn't be learned. To cut costs for the cheaper version, Nintendo plans to eliminate 
Some of the functions used in the original Switch console, such as the vibration feature, according to Nintendo suppliers. Quote, the company judged the new Switch models won't need the vibration feature because there wouldn't be as many gamers. There won't wouldn't be many games released during the full ben- using the full benefit of it. One official familiar with the plan said. Oh, man. Hmm. So these rumors so? have been going around for a hot minute now. I think it was late last year that we talked about this. And I don't quite remember. I think we basically said, yeah, this makes sense. Eventually, this is going to yeah. happen. But the rumor was for it to come out, I think, that holiday season, which would have been way too early. Because if you yeah. look at how consoles do these, I think between like the Xbox and the Xbox One X and the PlayStation PS4 Pro, you average about three to four years. And so if this does come out this summer, that's about two and a half years for Nintendo. So a little yeah. early, but makes sense. I think that they need to push their release schedule to stay relevant as Xbox and PlayStation rapidly approach the Mm -hmm. end of this generation into the next generation. And Nintendo is, I don't want to say lagging behind because they have clearly put their flag down and said, we're here, Nintendo Switch is successful. There are lots of people that love it. They're, I think, just saying we're a different offering. And I think that this makes sense. I was talking to Greg on Games Daily about how this, to me, very much sounds like what they did with the new 3DS XL, making Mm -hmm. something maybe a little bit more advanced tech-wise. And then Mm -hmm. also what they did with the 2DS, making something a little less advanced, a little Mm -hmm. bit more kid-friendly, something more budget-friendly, but still runs the vast majority of the library available Mm -hmm. from Nintendo. So I would not be surprised if they put out a new piece of hardware. Switch sales have kind of, you know, fallen short of their expectations. And the best way to reinvigorate, reinvigorate, reinvigorate is back in the building. Oh, my gosh. Um, It's because I had to stop drinking my coffee because I got cold. You know what that's like when you sip your coffee and you're like, nope, it's not hot anymore. Um, (laughs) And so um, I think they need to, you know, put a shot of adrenaline into Switch sales. And the best way to do that is to offer a new SKU. So whether that be like a special paint job or more, you know, fancy internal components or maybe they make it the one of the r- rumors going around, of course, is a mobile only version of the Switch that doesn't mm-hmm. have detachable Joy-Cons that they're, everything's just like kind of fused into one. Uh-huh. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I, know. I, don't I, know that, I, I feel like that'd be a bad idea because mm-hmm. part of the whole thing about Switch is that you can take off the Joy-Cons and play with a friend. Look at playing... Yeah. Pokemon Let's Go, right? You take off the Joy-Cons and you play together. I didn't say it was a good idea. I just said it's one of the many ideas that are out there. I'm not coming at you, baby (laughs) girl. People also got very (laughs) mad that the 2DS didn't fold because they were like, the whole point of the 3DS is that it's 3D. What are you doing, Nintendo? This is dumb. Well, now they have the new Nintendo 2DS XL that you can buy that folds. So calm down, people. Um, But yeah, so I've heard the the Joy-Con rumors as well. And I just, I can't see that being a thing because that's kind of what you're teasing. Like, you... Yeah, you eliminate so many possibilities when you get rid of the Joy-Cons. The way if you mm-hmm. buy another pair of Joy-Cons that you have to play with your attached Joy-Cons, like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. But yeah, um, if they announce, you know, a bigger screen, some prettier guts on the inside, like, I will buy a new one just because that's me. And I just yeah. want the best gaming because I love my Switch. I take it with me everywhere I go. And then you also look at the price point. So right now, the new Nintendo 2DS XL is $149.99. A new Switch is $299.99. So if they can drop that price point to get closer to that, then mm-hmm. you're going to start selling more units because their goal is to have like two to three switches per household, right? And last I checked, this was a while ago, there's like 335 million 3DSs out there. So obviously they want to convert those folks into the Switch users as well. 335 right. millions? That sounds wild. 
3DS. I mean, Let me Google it. She's, <laughs> she's double check. She's fact checking. Um, I remember because it was a crazy number. Listen, I've got like every iteration of like the DS, the three, the DS Lite, the DSi. Like I've got a stack of DSs that are just collecting dust now at this point. But if um, I don't know if the Switch were to go maybe a little bit smaller, even more compact, I would be 100 down. I'm I will get whatever they put out honestly because at this point I'm sipping all Nintendo's Kool Aid. Um, I'm just kind of I'm just picking up what they're putting down, you know. And I think that uh, with the whole DS thing, yeah, I mm-hmm. just have a, a nephew that just got a 2DS, and he's experiencing Nintendo games for the first time on that, and it's so exciting to see. But yeah, I would think that they would want to pull people off of that iteration of their hardware and bring them into this world, into the now, um, and have maybe no more games coming out for the DS at some point. I think I was yeah, looking they- at. Did you find numbers, Andrea? Yes, I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Drops some knowledge. Think, yeah, so the 3DS total sales. Now, there's a couple conflicting reports. Um, I have more than 69 million units. Oh, and then this off. other site that I have is 74.3 total global sales. So is that all DS or 3DS software? Because I meant So to say- DS and 3DS are separate. Right. And so mm-hmm. what I meant so to say D- is the DS, DS is its own thing. Right. I meant like right. the, the handhelds with the screen. Like that's the number I was trying to pull. But I think I pulled a wrong number. That's a lot. Yeah, because like 335 million is more than the top three. Or is more than the top three. Um, no, it's like the top two combined. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, in, they, they sold a lot of 3DSs. There's a ton mm-hmm, um, yeah. out in the world. But they need to sunset it. It's old yeah. tech. The graphics look dated you know like it's time to to move on to the next thing mm-hmm. um and obviously nintendo switch is the next thing so yeah so yeah it's very happening we'll keep oh. an eye on it i have no doubt that nintendo is going to iterate on the switch just where and when and how you know okay mm-hmm. hold on just i see where that number came from so 3ds hardware has sold more than 70 million units ds sold 154 million units and game boy sold 120 million units ah. so all that combined so, was the number that so I nintendo's total lifetime handheld, handheld sales, sales. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Nintendo. I'll buy all your Seriously. shit. <laughs> oh my god, I know. Shit. Except for your VR myself, Labo. I won't buy that. I didn't Except like I was VR a Game Girl kid though. Um You miss yeah, it? Game Gear. Game Gear always for me. I would fight with my brother because he had a Game Boy. And I would like lie and say that no, mine was better. Um, because my screen lit up. Yeah, it was a big a deal reason. for me, but it wasn't like, and I'm like, yeah, and mine's portable too. But that was just a lie because I had to sit by an outlet with my plug, with my adapter, because <laughs> the batteries would die constantly. Like I, I didn't sip Nintendo's like portable Kool-Aid until after I had put my game gear to bed because that was, a, that was a lie I just couldn't keep up with. Yeah. I hear you. Man. No, just like childhood mems. Like Nintendo just kind of always did it. Right. Yeah, man. I loved my Game Boy. Mm-hmm. That Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles life. Yeah. <laughs> and all the attachments you could get for it. The light, the screen amplifier. Oh, yeah. Magnifier. See, I never sound had boost. any of that. I didn't live that fancy life. Oh, yeah. I got the I got the base unit and I was grateful for what I got. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like, you will like it and you will shut up about it. You're like, yes, sir. Okay, dad. <laughs> Thank so you. funny. Um, all right, ladies, that is going to do it for our first segment of the show. Um, obviously, a ton of news to get to, but when we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. So stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. 
Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and this is where we talk about what we've been playing, and this week's hands-on impressions are brought to you by GOAT. Oh, yeah. I got things Brittany, to tell you about GOAT. You have a special message from our sponsors over at GOAT. I do. So if you're buying sneakers online, there's more than a coin flip's chance that the shoe you're looking at is fake. How can you be sure it's real, Andrea and Marissa? Hmm. Mm. Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'll tell you, Goat.com is the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online. They're the largest marketplace in the world for authentic Yeezys, Jordans, and over 600,000 sneaker listings. They've made the whole process frictionless and trustworthy. They do this only by accepting sellers with the best reputation and by verifying all sneakers to ensure their authenticity for buyers. Every detail is inspected from the stitching and color to the size and weight Goat certifies that every pair of sneakers on their site matches exact factory specifications. With over half a million sneakers on the platform and 10 million users, you won't find better prices for verified 100% authentic sneakers anywhere else. Find the perfect 100% authentic sneaker at goat.com slash good games. That's goat.com slash good games. Plus, you'll also be supporting our show, but you've got to go right now before the sneakers you want are gone when you go to goat.com slash good games. That's G-O-A-T dot com slash good games. So mm-hmm. let me tell you about my sneakers I got from Goat. So the They're first so thing cute. The first thing I did is I went to goat.com and I went in the little search area and I typed in Nintendo because of course I did because what are actual shoes anyway? And <laughs> I found these. They're called the Nintendo XSK Skate High Slim Coins. I don't speak sneaker lingo. All I know is I look at the shoe and I'm like, is this cute? Do I want it? Yes, I do. So mm-hmm. it's a white. Andrew, would you consider it a high top? Vans? Yes. Okay. It is a high top. Okay, and there's all these little coin blocks kind of going down the side of it, and then on the front of the tag, the front of the tag is Mario from the Mario Bros. game, the little NES little dude, and they're really cute and they're really comfy, and I really love them. I like a lot of the Van shoes. I have the um, yeah. NES style one, so I thought I'd complete my collection. And Goat has a has almost all of them available on their site. I love oh, that's it. amazing. So- yeah, if you guys follow my husband, um, John T. Drake, on Twitter, you know that he posts about sneakers all the time, and he is a massive sneakerhead, mm. and he loves GOAT. When he found out that we were going to be working with GOAT, he lost his tiny mind. He was like, oh, my God. <laughs> his tiny mind. World's colliding. This is awesome. So I have yet to pick up my pair because I'm going to admit it. I'm being indecisive about which mm. sneakers I want to get. So I told him this weekend we have to like make a selection. I was like, help me be cool in the sneaker department, John. Help me. You yeah, have so. you have the same bands that I do, Andrea, the peach ones, but like would you mm-hmm. would you add to your collection like Brittany or are you going a different route? I would absolutely add to my collection, but I'm thinking I want to expand my horizons and maybe mm-hmm. pick something that looks really dope, but I don't know looks really dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I'll That's have John be like <laughs> You, this is the cool hotness right now because his sneaker collection has gotten so out of control that he now has to keep them at his office. Oh, my um, God. So I don't actually know how many pairs of sneakers he has. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. John, So whenever okay. anybody walks in for a meeting with John, they're greeted by a wall of, like, fancy sneakers. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. So okay, if you so want to be like John, goat.com slash good games. So we can't like Marie Kondo. You can't Marie Kondo your home. Like every pair of sneakers sparks joy for him. Yes. Well, not okay. every pair. He okay. has decided to sell some pairs oh, nice. um, because the resale market, particularly for unworn sneakers, is really crazy high. Mm. Like I did not realize that, you know, people are paying, dudes in particular are paying so yeah. much for sneakers. 
Yeah. But hey, you know what? Whatever brings you happiness. Whatever like floats Marissa your boat. Said, does it spark joy in your life? Yeah. Um, you know what sparks joy in my life? Video games. Vid- and this. Oh. You've convinced ah, me. Ah! Um, so I went and got a whiskey. I was officially peer pressured. It's not like they had to twist oh, my arm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Cheers. Cheers, yeah. ladies. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> um, hopefully you guys are enjoying a beverage of your choice as well, because now we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And Britt, you are having an addiction crisis. <sighs> I wouldn't call it a crisis. I'm living a very good life right now. <laughs> You're very happy about it. I'm very happy about this. So I have been saying for a while that I've been craving a sim, particularly mm. a farming sim. I want my story of seasons. God damn it. I want it right now. And it's not a thing that I don't even think has been officially announced over here for the West the Western area. So my time at Portia, Portia I found out the actual, the actual way to call it is Portia, is a mm. game that was kickstarted in 2017, and it just came out January of this year on PC, and it's coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Switch um, on April 16th. And so when Team 17 reached out and was like, hey, do you want a review code? And I was like, um, yes, please. I've been only waiting for this my whole life. And so what it is, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. So you are a builder, and so you're coming to Portia as you can choose your male, female character, and you're coming to Portia to take over this area that your father had um, that has been neglected. It's kind of that same old like, oh, a neglected farm. Go yeah. take care of it. But it's it's not so much a farm. It's just a hut. And you are assuming the role of the builder. That's your role in this society. And what you do is that people come to you when they need stuff built. It can be... Mm a light post, it could be a shed, it could be like a bucket, it could be a big tool, it could be any of those things. And then in order to build those, you have to go out and gather resources. Mm-hmm. And then you go and go and build your thing. And then the people get happy, you get experience points, you get money and you get town, town reputation. And so the way this game has been described is a sandbox RPG adventure inspired by the beautiful aesthetic of Castle in the Sky it features mm-hmm. gameplay elements inspired by the likes of Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing, mixed with some dark cloud in there. So kind of like, hashtag, say no more, I'm in. So yeah, I've been playing this game essentially nonstop since Friday. And it's, so it has that collection element where you go out. So you start out, you have nothing. And then you go, you ga- gather wood and you gather stone. Mm-hmm. And then you build an axe and then you build a pickaxe and stuff like that. And now you can go harvest more materials. And then eventually you have to build these little machines and every machine has a different has a different purpose so if you need to turn your iron ore that you get from mining into an iron bar you have to use the what particular machine if you want to cut that iron bar into a plate to craft something you have to use another machine mm-hmm. so it's definitely a progressive um you know there's a lot of progress in there that you have to make it's a slow burn is what i'm trying to say but other than like that aspect of it you can do farming you can do, you can have animals, you can grow crops, you can build your relationships with the 55, at least 55 characters that I've counted that are in oh, this amazing. game. Oh, yeah. And you can romance them. You can become oh, their yeah. friends. Yes. Are you familiar with these games that I'm talking oh, about? Oh, my God, yes. I am, oh, good. like, hard on Stardew. Oh, my God. And, like, just <laughs> Animal Crossing, like, these are my jams. That's my life. If there's a farm sim, like, I'm 100 in. Um, no, Stardew Valley got me in a different way where like I love Harvest Moon so much but it didn't get its claws in me like Stardew Valley did so Mm -hmm. this game sounds like something I'd be interested in only because like yo I was a G in Stardew Valley like I am dating everybody in the town 
just courting them all. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it's fun to discover those different dialogue trees that you didn't think existed, and then just finding little like peanuts of things from different people and getting the gossip from the town. Hell yes, I'm all over this. Yes. Please tell me there's gossip and the other town people gossip about each other. When, yeah, there is a girl in there who oh, specifies in gossip. Yeah, it, it's a thing. So each character, that each NPC has, I don't know, like eight or nine different hearts or stars on them, depending on if you can romance them. And then you do the thing. You talk to them every day and you build up your relationship, but then you want to give them presents because then they'll like you even more. Mm-hmm. And it's that whole aspect of that character building, which is awesome. And the town itself is it's a pretty large map for a game like this. You know, it takes a while to get from point A to point B, and I haven't even uncovered the entirety of the map. So you have this huge, sprawling town of Porsche where you have all these different shops and all these different people roaming around. You have the fields where you can do, like, fishing and mining. Then you have the actual abandoned ruins where you can do even more mining. And I am just, like, losing my life to it, and I am not complaining Dude. about it whatsoever. It is so much fun. So what you do is you wake up in the morning, and you can do whatever you want. So it's a sim. So what's beautiful about this is that there's no real wrong way to play. Yeah. You can just play it and do what you want. One day you want to do this, the next day you do that. So how I what I what a typical day looks like for me is like I'll wake a typical day in my life. I'll wake <laughs> up, I'll walk out of my house, and then you can customize your house as well with furniture. And then the furniture you put inside the house gives you stat boosts because this mm. game does have a lot of RPG elements. Um, you know, you have your health, you have your stamina, you have endurance, and then you have three different skill trees that can affect your battling so how much damage you do your hp all that then your your gathering so maybe you'll get double drops from mining or mm. your relationships with the characters so maybe you talk to someone they'll like you twice as much as if you know you only talk to them you only like you like once right so sure, you yeah, usually sure. get one point every time you talk to someone but if you have this buff everyone they, you get two points of affection from them instead and oh. then it keeps going down and down and down and i haven't even looked into all of the different um upgrades that you can do is there, so anyway, a doctor, yeah. is there a doctor that you can bring wine to that would feel like he's being romanced <laughs> there is a oh, doctor i haven't brought him wine yet okay so i'm not sure and everyone oh, he loves likes, this doctor yeah or he, he just likes anything fermented like he likes the pickles too he likes jam yeah see. i know what the doctor likes and that and what's cool about this game <laughs> i love you so much is that there's a social tab on in this game so you can hover over all the characters and then as you get to know them it'll give you background information on them it'll tell you when their birthday is and then they have Mm -hmm. a list built in of their likes their dislikes their loves and their hates Mm. and so you can kind of like okay i'm not going to give this person a rusty pipe because i tried that and he hated (laughs) me for it i thought he liked it but no he didn't like it and i was really sad about it anyway so you get a rusty pipe I know, right? I thought I thought it was a good idea, but no. And you can't give everyone eggs. So that's my usual go-to strategy. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in this mm-hmm. game. Um, anyway, yeah, so I wake up, I walk out, and then you. Ch- I have a whole bunch of machines because you can also upgrade your house. You can upgrade the space around you. You can buy more land so you can get more buildings in there. You check all that. You see, okay, so I have all these things currently cooking because, you know, you put an iron, like iron ore into the furnace. It takes, you know, how many minutes before that to process so then Mm -hmm. you check all that you have to keep it constantly fueled with trees and well not trees wood and then you leave that and then you can like now what do i need to gather ingredients because sometimes you'll have because there's actually a story to this game which is really cool there's an overarching story and that makes it even more interesting so in order to progress the story sometimes you have to build certain things Mm. so yeah anyway i'm just having so much fun with it and if any of this sounds like it's up your up your alley Definitely oh, yes. check it out. Wait, I think is it's it tr- better? Is it better than Stardew, though? That's the question. It's a different game, almost a different. I mean, it's the same sort of idea and concept, mm. but it just feels a little different. I would say Stardew is a more 
polished game because this what I was going to say is this one right now like the loading screens are they can be kind of gnarly not all of them are so bad but sometimes up to 30 to 40 seconds when you're coming in and out of the building and I reached out to their team and asked if that's something they plan on patching because I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a switch only issue and they haven't gone back to me they said they were going to check the team and see but I can't say it's better or worse than Stardew because Stardew is so focused on the farming aspect of it and this Mm -hmm. has much more but if, if you like Stardew Valley, I would say you would probably really dig this one, too. Okay. Anyway, it's it's wonderful. I don't know where the time goes. I don't know where my weekend went. I was on that couch. Ass yeah. got glued to it. Oh, so good. No, that's the trouble with these games, that you lose yourself in them. Like, any Sim game. Like, even when I was just growing up, like, playing Sims on my, you know, sneak downstairs to the computer to play. And it would just end up being four in the morning. Because you don't realize how quickly the time passes when you're invested in someone else's life in-game. And like building yeah. their life instead of building your own, it's fine. And just coming off of GDC, and I was gone for like six days or something, and now we're leaving for PAX East. It was honestly like the perfect thing I could have played because it mm. just is my ultimate relaxation thing. If ever Stardew Valley's out or Harvest Moon, well, Harvest Moon's kind of gone to shit lately. But Stardew Valley or Story, <laughs> yeah, Story of Seasons, and She's like, like this kind of game. them out. <laughs> she has. Oh, I've said it many times. times. She's called yeah. them out before. I'm very upset it. about it. I Don't get me going. Yeah, it, it's it's just been really good, really relaxing, and it's just it's a really good time. You know, like I said, if if you like Stardew Valley or those kind of games, I think you'll like this. The farming, for the most part, is optional so far from what I found. So I'm not technically oh. allowed to review this game yet. I can only give my preview impressions, and that's gotcha. Yeah, because the uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, the game releases the 16th of April. So okay, well, I mean, you sold me. Good, it's fucking great. So I'm in. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> you know, kind of slow loading times. And there are some clipping issues and some lag. There was a patch last night. I'm not totally sure what that fixed, but mm. it's nothing that is. It, it slightly can get annoying, but it's not mm. tearing me away from the game. It's worth it. Okay. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Andrea's like, not my kind of game. It's just not. And that's, <laughs> that's okay. Fine. Because my ass was glued to the couch this weekend, too, relaxing, trying to decompress from a very busy GDC week before we head into PAX. But I was mainlining my way to level 30 in the end game of The Division 2, which I finally did get to. Marissa, it says here that you played a little bit of The Division? Yeah, a little bit as in uh, played with what well, watched watched Chandler Riggs play with his girlfriend, which is really fun okay. for Xbox Sessions. That was my first taste of it. And then I got home. We downloaded it here at the studio. We played a little bit. Um, like, I'm, j- I'm very bad at these games. Like, I'm just bad at the whole uh, looter shooter because um, I get panicked like I'm not doing enough for my team so uh, when they need me I'm not there for them and that gives me anxiety like I should be better at this and I should be better for them um, so I'm constantly just feeling like I'm failing in a game like Aww. this but I but I want to play because I, I also like to give good games a chance like I, I, I know that it's good I know that everyone's loving it like as far as I've seen on Twitter anyway um, so I want to experience it for myself I just wish that I could give the game or the developers what they are hoping from a gamer. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm not living up to their standards as a gamer, basically playing this game. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, listen, if you ever want help, there are clans of What's Good Gamers, both on Xbox and on PlayStation. 
I don't know if anybody actually started a PC clan, but you are more than welcome to join our clans. And um, the people in the clans are so great about sherpaing people through things. And there's no expectations. It's all mm-hmm. about having fun. I mean, I like to razz the people in the clan that play with me a little bit just for funsies because it's a lot of the kids <laughs> that I play Destiny with. Um, but um, but no, like th- there's no like we're going to boot you out if you don't get X amount of gear score by X day or if you're not contributing this many points to the clan oh. weekly bounties or whatever. Like that's silly. No. Oh my that's God, because that's the experience I just had recently in Clash Royale, but we can get to that later. Uh, <laughs> no, let's talk about it no, now. That, I mean, we talked oh a lot God. about the division. I can I can talk about that in a minute. So, okay, fine. Because segue full on exactly what you just described happened to me in Clash Royale. Yo, I was in a clan. First of all, I okay, so Andrew Rayner uh, invited me to his clan because I was talking about it on Twitter how I just got Clash Royale. I'm obsessed with it. I can't stop playing. Um, and then Ben Silverman jumped on and so did Jose saying, like, listen, like we've been playing too, but just kind of fell off of it. And then Andrew like just DM'd me saying, hey, I have a clan. You're welcome to join. Okay. So I joined them and uh, I'm not a level eight yet, so I can't compete in clan wars. But basically, I feel like I'm part of a team because there's just so many of them and these guys are competing and this is wonderful and I'm doing my own games and I'm trying to level up. And then all of a sudden I got booted from the clan and then Andrew sent a message in the clan being like, yo, she's my friend. You can't just boot her. Like full oh. on giving them shit for booting I me. He had, I thought he had clan control. And for people who don't know, Andrew Reiner is the executive editor of Game Informer and um, also another friend of the show. He's wonderful. Yes. Um, so he, you got booted from I the got, clan? I got booted from the clan. And so he, and then, because <laughs> I got back into the clan because he brought me back in, but I saw their messages back and forth. Oh, and no. somebody was complaining, like, she doesn't contribute enough cards. I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll start contributing more. So uh, every chance I got, I would, whenever anybody needed a donation, I was there with it, even though I don't have that many, remember, because I'm also trying to level up, but I'm giving them everything I got. <laughs> and then a week later, I get booted again, but not from Andrew. <laughs> and I haven't messaged him because I don't want him to, like, I, I don't want him to fight with clan over me because it's not fair um and then the message just said to me from the guy who booted me out saying sorry maybe later because i'm i was only a level seven but since then i've leveled up to level eight and i can technically compete in clan wars but i don't want to go begging for a clan you know like i don't want a clan that that doesn't want me horrifying makes me mad i actually can relate because i was in a very intense guild um when i was playing um Middle Earth, um, the game from Kabam, yeah. like way back when. It's like an RTS game. And if you didn't contribute X amount of gold or whatever each week, or if you weren't active, like they would boot you right away. Because some of these top clans, mm-hmm. like it's really serious to them that they maintain their stats. And we would take turns buying the whatever packs were on sale because Kabam would do these sales where if you bought like the $100 pack in game, your everybody in your clan got a $25 boost. And mm. the clans were like 100 people deep. And so if one person bought the $100 pack, everybody else in the clan got $25 for free. Wow. And so we would like rotate it around. And so like it was very serious. Okay. Mobile okay. mobile clans are like next level. <laughs> Holy, I've never felt this kind of pressure to perform. Like I thought just playing on consoles online, like that was tough enough, especially once you get on the mic and you reveal that you're girl uh no but this clan has been (laughs) i don't know like i want to i want to jump back in and be like hey like i can do this now i'm a level eight i can participate but i just feel like i'm still not going to be good enough for them um but then i don't want to join like a clan that doesn't compete like i want i want to compete but i also don't want to be i don't know beholden to their standards like i just feel like they're too high man 
Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sorry that you were treated that way. <laughs> if, if anybody that's listening or watching has a Clash Royale clan that has a spot for lovely Marissa, l- let us know. You can yeah. tweet to her at Marissa Roberto or Thank tweet you. to us at what's good underscore games. In fact, tweet to both of us. Tag us both. We'd like to know. Yes, please. Accept me. <laughs> find, let's find her a home in Clash Royale. So um, this game has been out for a number of years now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this um, Clash Royale, uh, also because I work in the esports scene, it's just good for me to always be on top of the games that are con- constantly making waves. Um, and Clash Royale has just got these crazy prize pools and these crazy stages. They put on such a show. Um, a lot of the you know other people in the esports world don't respect it because it's a mobile game. But if you're a mobile gamer and you like competing, these um, competitions are incredible to watch only for like the shows that they put on. Yes, you're just watching somebody play a tower defense game. I get it. But it's still so fun to see once you know the game, to see the characters they use and like their strategies and just getting involved in that way. So um, I like to know the game before I kind of watch it and talk about it. I think it's only, you know, respectful that I do that you mean you're doing your job very well yes (laughs) right yeah kind of doing my job so uh because of that I just honestly wanted to learn the mechanics of the game and learn the characters but I had I just got so addicted to it that it's like every morning now I'm checking my loot I'm I'm checking my cards I'm leveling up whatever I can without spending dough although I did just drop seven bucks but it, that's fine. It, it's fine. Hey, it's, it's, fine. it's just a cool $7. That's like, you know, like that's still cheaper than an almond milk latte and the egg white bites at Starbucks. <laughs> hey, you're right about that. But that is my morning. Right. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> you just I described my morning perfectly. Bites. I mean, listen, that's as someone so who has spent way too much money on Pokemon Go, you should be very <laughs> proud of the $7 thing. Just I'll leave it at that. Have you, how much money have you spent on Pokemon Go? Uh, no, girl. tell me. Can you reveal? Do you want me to do it, Britt? Ah, like eight hundred dollars. <gasps> oh my god, Brittany! Oh, okay. I don't know. It's okay. No, it's, it's okay. not. It's cool. Okay. It's cool, man. You're cool. <laughs> but she okay. lost over ten pounds playing yeah, Pokemon Go. The way Go. I justified it. Oh, that's cool. That was my so justification. Like, it's like her trainer. Cost, I was like, right? it was like a year-long gym membership, but not <laughs> fair. <laughs> Okay, listen, I would be down with that. I don't, like my short Pokemon Go story is that I was addicted for a minute, but that I would play while riding my bike, uh, oh. which is dangerous. Don't do it at home, children, uh, because I got cut off by somebody uh, in a vehicle just making a right-hand turn while I was in a bike lane. So I, he didn't see me. I didn't see him. I had to slam on my brake with my front brake because my other hand was too busy trying to collect whatever shit was around. And I flipped over my bike, broke my elbow. Oh, shit. Playing Pokemon Go, yes. So, uh, so I you mean, spent I'm, more money on Pokemon Go than I probably did. Thank you. Ruined my summer. I feel better. I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> you should. Well, lesson learned, kids. <laughs> Don't do motion activities while also playing Pokemon Go. <sighs> do not yeah. Pokemon and drive, man. Just don't do yeah. it. Mm dangerous sorry andrew you were talking about division and then i interrupted and then oh. brought it to clash royale somehow so i i was um, i'm just gonna keep it brief because um i want to get to the third segment um but and we have two games from gdc in particular that we need to talk about for sure mm-hmm. um but basically what i'm really loving about the division end game is uh, once you complete everything and go through all of the strongholds um, you know, Black Tusk, this new um, faction comes in and takes over DC and kind of infiltrates and invades. And it changes the look of the map. It adds these new encounters on the map. And essentially you go, you get to go do all of the story missions again in the same locations, but they're different. 
Mm. The dialogue is different. The way that it's scripted is different because now you're fighting Black Tusk and because like the Grand Washington Hotel, which is the first mission you do, now the Black Tusk has invaded and you have to go like take it back from the Black Tusk. And part of me is conflicted about like, am I annoyed that I have to go and do all these missions again? Or is it cool that I get to go do them and they're a little bit different? Um, and it's like end game and I've now reached like this next level and mm. I'm now like min-maxing my gear score and like managing loot, even though I've maxed out all of my inventory upgrades is becoming a real problem because I have, I'm getting only high end drops for the most part. And they were so scarce in the main part of the game that now I'm like, I can't delete any high end <laughs> drops, but you gotta because like your inventory fills right up and you're, you're, you're chasing that gear score now. Um, I really like how they made the game so much more rewarding for people who want to stick it out and who are looking forward to like world tier five and the mm. eight player raids that are coming. And they clearly heard from their community. Hey, we want to spend more time in this game. Give us more to do. And boy, they have delivered. And so I'm really happy with everything that massive has done. My biggest gripe is that the bugs are still very plentiful and mm. it's becoming, um, like a little bit cumbersome and I've had to like log out of the game. I've had to shut the game down. I've had to leave parties mm -hmm. to fix bugs. We're talking items not appearing in my inventory, story quests not showing up as marked, um, people going in and out of the map, textures popping in and out. Um, a lot of like quality of life things that I hope are going to be fixed in the mm -hmm. upcoming patches. Massive has publicly made a commitment to patch and fix this game as much as humanly possible. And I know with open world multiplayer games that bugs are a, just a necessary part of life, but they're becoming more plentiful than I'm comfortable with. Mm. And I've had to log out to like refresh the game more times than I would prefer. So mm -hmm. it's something that I need to make acknowledge of because this game is not perfect. And I was talking um, recently on Critical Reviews and that episode, I think, for his show is coming out soon about how I just don't think this is game of the year potential. Or maybe mm. I was talking about it on Games Daily uh, for that reason, because it just doesn't have that level of polish I would expect in a game of the year contender. Mm -hmm. That said... I am having a blast. <laughs> Absolutely love it. It's so much fun. Love playing with the clan. We're doing great. Love doing the strongholds. Obviously, this game shines when you're playing with a full team. Um, but even playing with one or two people, it's super fun. Um, and even playing by myself, just running around in the open world, collecting shade tech points or clearing control points or what have you. Um, really just enjoying the game and, and, and loving my time with it. So um, okay. I'll put a pin in it for now. Because Brittany and I got to see two really cool games from mm. 505 at GDC. Um, let's start with Journey to the Savage Planet. Because what a refreshing take on game design. And really just such a fun, whimsical thing. So Brittany walked into this demo with me. She knew nothing about it at all. And I went because I know Alex Hutchinson because he and I got to work together back on Assassin's Creed 3 when he was the lead of that team at Ubisoft and also when he was working on Far Cry 4. So he has a really long pedigree in video games, mm -hmm. um, including um, I, I wrote down all of the other stuff that he did. Let's see here. It's a... Uh, because I, I only knew him during his Ubisoft days, but he's been making games. So, so he worked on Splinter Cell. He worked on Spore. He's worked on a, a ton of stuff. And so he splintered off from, <laughs> pun intended, from uh, <laughs> Ubisoft and said, I want to do my own thing. And so he teamed up with, 
Oh my gosh, I have his name written down, his partner's name. What is the name? What is the name anyway? <laughs> is, name. Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate it. Uh, Reed Schneider. Um, <laughs> and they're the co-founders of this new studio. Typhoon Studios is the name. Mm-hmm. And they have this game coming out. So Brittany, first impressions of Journey to the Savage Planet. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. games like this tend to lose me because they're generally... Like the, I think of the No Man's Sky, where mm. each planet is randomly generated, and it just kind of has that feel of something that wasn't personally created. So going into this, I was like, oh, okay, I, I think I kind of have an idea of this. Let me guess. Like, you're dropped on this planet, and you have to go scan things and figure out what's going on. And for the most part, I think that's more or less the story, but this is a handcrafted world, and and what I really appreciate about it is that you can just kind of tell there's that level of attention to detail that I feel like randomly proceeded. What's the word I'm looking for? Randomly. randomly. Uh, procedurally, procedurally generated. generated. Procedurally generated. Thank you, ladies. Uh, that just kind of lacks. But this doesn't have that. And I was immediately impressed by the charm of this game and how the words that he was using to describe it were upbeat and positive. And of course, like those were great buzzwords. But then when he actually started playing it, it was like, oh, my God. I walked into that room extremely extremely hungover and kind of, uh, you know, whatever. I walked out super, like, happy and smiling. I told Andrea, I'm like, that was a great mood booster. Because it really, it really does. It's just so fun and quirky. And 10 to 12 hours is what, is what he's saying this game should take. Released in early 2020. And I'm, I'm all in. I'm so excited. There's these, these birds called puffer birds. And you can kick them. And when you, they have, like, one eye, I think, or maybe two eyes. I don't know. They're really weird looking. She was hungover. She couldn't tell. I they kind of look like Angry Birds in shape, like they're really round. Okay. Yeah. And everything um, there is just so silly. And, you know, there's an enemy that you have to sneak up on, and then you got to poke it in the eye. And it's it's funny. It's not like this This game doesn't take itself seriously, but there's that level of polish there that you can enjoy it. You know, I don't know. I'm, I was not... I was not expecting to love it as much as I did because I thought yeah. my assumption was wrong about what I thought the kind of game it was. But as soon as we left, I'm like, cool, I'm in. And just to give a little bit of context, so it's a first-person exploration action adventure. The words that Alex used to describe it were optimistic, upbeat, positive, exploration focus. It's an Mm. earnest comedy. So you play human with an AI assistant. Like Brittany said, it's about 10 to 15 hours of exploration. Um, And what he called it an an aperitif-type game, meaning it's not going to be a full-price game. It's not designed to be like a 60, 70-hour experience. It's a bespoke experience. Experience, as Brittany was mentioning, the way that they designed this planet, ARY26, the planet that you're there to catalog, mm. you're literally sent there to catalog its creatures, its threats, and to send data back. Um, you work for Kindred Technologies, the fourth best interstellar agency. Um, <laughs> and that idea of being the fourth best, that, that comedy, carries throughout all of the aspects of the game, which I thought was really fun. So when you die in the game, you get reprinted and you can go and find where your body is. You can bury your old body because they thought that that was like morbidly funny. Um, And so you're meant to be on an unexplored planet, but you quickly realize that somebody has been here. And so Mm. you have to figure out who is here? What are they doing here? What have they found? Because it starts out as you just on this planet, uh, scanning things, cataloging, because it's your mission is to go find this planet. And then it turns into more than that. Um, and it's just so fun because he 
he what he said was I had this quote written down from him about its handcrafted nature. He says, "If you're going to spend time climbing a mountain to turn over a rock, you want something that was intentionally put there." Fair. They're calling it a semi Metroidvania vibe, mm. not quite an open world. He said it's more like an onion where you kind of like peel back certain layers to reveal different sections of it, but it's not a sandbox. There is a little bit of combat, but it's not the focus of the game. It's more to like move the story forward. It's not meant to be a focal point. The exploration is the focal point. Um, And they are going to try to incorporate a nonviolent way to get through the game because it was a lot of feedback that they've got during their playtesting to say, this world is funny, it's light, it's optimistic. I love just kind of tooling around in it. It would be great if I don't have to kill things, but right now you do have to kill things. Okay. Um, So... He called it a mishmash of elements of Metroid Prime, Subnautica, and Far Cry 4. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so it's um, – it, I love the art style. It does kind of remind me a little bit of a cross between those rare games of old from like the Nintendo 64 oh, yeah. days mm. and a little bit of No Man's Sky. Um, but it, it's a little bit more whimsical than No Man's Sky. And obviously, like we mentioned, it's all bespoke. So not, you don't have that randomly generated element. Mm. And it was just such a such a surprise because I went because, like I said, I, I know and like Alex a lot. I think he's a great guy. And I knew nothing about the game. And then I came away going, wow, like I'm like very taken aback by how they're leaning into exactly what they want to make. And that's the joy of being an indie developer, right? Is to say, hey, I want to make an exploration-focused game that's funny, first and foremost, that is bespoke, is not randomly generated, and that is short because we Mm -hmm. want to make something that's approachable for a lot of gamers. And I thought that was cool. He sold me at Aperitif. Yeah. <laughs> a woman after my own heart. Um, so we don't have a release date. They just said um, early 2020. So th- it, right now it ha- is um, coming, he said, to PS4, Xbox One, Epic Game Store. And he said they're in discussions for Switch. So hmm. maybe, question Hopefully. mark? But because we both were like, this would be a perfect Switch game. And he's like, well, you know, our folks at 505 are really fantastic partners. And, you know, we're in those discussions, but nothing to announce at this time. You know, hmm. typical PR answer. Yeah. Um, so, um, of course, as I mentioned, 505 is publishing. And then the other game we saw is the game that a lot of people are talking about this week, Control from Remedy Entertainment. Of course, Remedy of um, Alan Wake fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have been wondering, you know, what's up with Control? And the first time I saw this game, I was like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> I'm so confused. And I've kind of left with more questions than I went in with. But we got a ton of information uh, from the mm-hmm. team over at Remedy Entertainment. Uh, we got to talk with Michael and Thomas, who were there at GDC which was really great. And so um, Brittany and I both took a bunch of notes and Brittany watched me do the gameplay. But Brittany, what do you think so far of what we've got to see from Control? So far, so I just want to kind of talk about the story real quick because I think that'll help us talk about... So here's the thing. You are Jesse. You are the director of the Federal Bureau of Control. And there's this thing called the Hiss. And I'm looking at my notes because there's no way I could remember all this. (laughs) It's a hostile supernatural force capable of possessing and manipulating living beings and objects to its will. So it invades this thing called the oldest house and it invades the old director. So now you are Jess and you are the new director. So now this thing called the oldest house is this building that was located in New York City and the Federal Bureau of Control found it. So from the outside, it looks like a normal building. But on the inside, it's considered a place of power, which means it's an ever shifting supernatural space. And the entirety of the game takes place within this. So you're probably thinking, what the hell does all of that mean? So 
I because like for me, you know, like the game, like watching Andrea play, like I was like, oh, that looks fun. You know, she's throwing shit around, she's floating in the air, she's levitating. That's cool. But to me, what draws me to a game is the story, mm-hmm. and so that's why I was like, okay, what the hell is this? I mean, I like Quantum Break a lot, and that was their their last big thing. But so yeah, so. So you got in there, you started throwing shit around. Yeah, so because it's it's all sort of confusing. So you, the whole game takes place in this in this the oldest building, and there are main missions that you'll do, and then there are side missions. And now, what's interesting about this is that you can just keep exploring within mm-hmm. these rooms, and you're going to find objects in there that are going to alert you to a side mission. And that side mission isn't going to tell you exact. It's not going to hold your hand. It's it's going to say hey, I heard that in this area, this thing happened. And then you have to go on your own and read the notes and then go investigate. It doesn't, there's no beacons. There's no, you know, like go here, flashing mark or anything like that. So it's different in that regard because it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the fact that the entirety of this game takes place in a single building, but inside Mm -hmm. the building are an infinite number of different rooms and sections. So yeah, that's kind of like the foundation of what this game is. And then Andrea actually got to play it. And it looked fun. Yeah. So um, Britt was taking a bunch of notes while I was doing hands-on during our demo. And mm. um, I kind of jotted down some notes as well. It's like, so you work your way through a level fighting corrupted personnel. So there's a lot of combat in this game. Mm. And you can levitate. You can ground, slam, launch, throw rocks. So there's a combination between having these supernatural powers that are tied to a stamina bar and then having a gun. And so you have gunplay and you have these powers that you're kind of interchanging. So I asked the team, you know, like, is there an emphasis? Should I be using the gun or the powers more than the other? Are they designed to be used interchangeably or equally? And Mm. they were like, well, that's a good question. They're like, we really leave it up to people's play style to decide Mm. like which one they prefer to use. And the powers are super cool because you could just be running through the world. So it's third person. So you're over the shoulder of Jesse, the the director. And so at any moment, you can hit the levitate button and you just literally fly into the air. It's really wild. So you're like running around shooting people. You can fly. And then in the air, you have this like hover mode where you can pick up objects in the world. You can pick up a chair like like levitate it and then throw it at an enemy. You can pick up a rock and throw it. When you're on the ground, you can build a shield by pulling rock out of the concrete. So you That's essentially cool. crumble the cron- concrete in front of you and build like a shield in front mm. of you to block incoming fire. And then you can throw the rocks at the enemies when you're done blocking as a, as a weapon. And so That's the cool. combat feels really cool. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of trying to figure out like, What's happening here? Mm. Like, what's it all for? Like, what am I doing? And that supernatural element that Remedy is known for in all of their games is really ever-present in everything here. So they have a intense upgrade system. Um, they wouldn't... I wouldn't call it a skill tree, mm. so to speak. More of like a character mod system. Mm. Um, so they have things that affect your stamina and your health. Um, you will find things throughout the world called objects of power that will... Gre- grant jesse new abilities um then you'll enter this thing called the astral plane which leads into the supernatural elements it's a separate dimension where sometimes when you're in the astral plane you'll fight a large-scale boss fight or you can go there to learn new abilities 
Um, destruction is a really big part of the game. And mm. so there's a lot of destructible pieces of the environment. As I mentioned, you can destroy the floor and use it as a shield. Um, all of the objects that you can pick up and throw, like desks, chairs, things you would find in an office, um, you can pick them up and use them as weapons. It's it's yeah. wild. There's like a lot of things that I still like want to know about this game. I kind of think of it as, you know, like lab rats. They have those little mazes down. Think of that. Like that's probably the best way to describe what this map is like because the objects of power that Andrea was talking about, not all of them are required to play the game, to finish mm-hmm. the game. So the one that she got, I think it was a mind manipulator. You were able to turn enemies into allies. And that yes, was something that... Cool. That, you know, the developers obviously placed us there. But if you're actually playing without the aid of developers, you know, it's something mm. that you would find on your own while exploring. So there's a lot okay. of exploration, like I said earlier, you know, finding those notes and those audio clips that tell you, give you hints about where you might be able to find these sorts of things. So it sounds mm. like a game that's not really going to hold your hand a lot and tell you what you need to do and how you need to do it. So if that sounds appealing to you, there you go. It does. But I also might have like my phone nearby and be searching for some kind of walkthrough yep. that someone's already done. <laughs> yeah, because exactly. I'm not above that. Oh, oh. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> We're all about baby ass baby mode here at What's Good Games. <laughs> um, I, I wrote in my notes, the movement and avi- abilities feel very Matrix-esque. Like you're kind of like your Neo. Because like if, if it felt like when you're in the world, you just can randomly hover. You can pull things out of the air and throw things. And then you've got your gun. It, and that's why I said it felt Matrix, Matrix, Matrix-esque. Matrix That's hard to say. That's a hard alliteration, yeah. Um, <laughs> because it, it felt that way that you could just manipulate time and space mm-hmm. in a very like untraditional sense. And so mm-hmm. I asked them, I was like, okay, there's obviously a lot of crazy supernatural things happening here. Like, how do you ground this in reality and know like what's real and what's not? And a lot of what they talked about with the visual identity, the gameplay, and like kind of the world of control is that they said at the very core of it all, it's still grounded in gravity mm-hmm. and that we needed to like hold on to some kind of focal point to make sure that we weren't just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at this supernatural world and having there be no rules to follow. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that they used gravity as a grounding element. They also talk about um, transformation within the visual identity of the world, corruption, evolution, entropy, and estrangement were kind of like their core pillars. We talk about these corrupted things within the world that you as the bureau head are trying to figure out. He said it was like a, Michael said it was like a cancer in the human body that you have to go and like kind of like find and sweep out. Um, And so it's really kind of... um, infused into a lot more things than you would think Mm. so it's i mean the the whole vibe of it felt really cool um and the skill tree system again more of a perk system than a skill tree system uh, definitely allows you to kind of play the way you want to play but overall like the vibe of it's spooky and weird Mm. and crazy but also like really cool Mm -hmm. i'm intrigued it's I, i need to know more yeah, it's yeah. so different than I think. It's hard to explain, right? I think we're mm-hmm. doing a, a decent job at explaining what it is, but it's not like you can say, oh, it's like Zelda, or it's like Red Dead right, Redemption, right. or it's like Assassin's You can't do that with this game, and I think that's cool. I appreciate them doing weird, wonky things. For sure, we need more of this and applaud more of this. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I want to just end by saying the release date was announced as August 27th. So if you are excited about it, it's coming in late summer and we'll probably get a chance to see it hopefully again before the release date and we'll bring you an update then. Um, I'm going to have to probably cut this segment short, even though I definitely would love to hear about Marissa's adventures in Tetris 99. Oh, um, don't worry about it. It's just Tetris 99. <laughs> I'm getting bullied, yo. I'm getting Because I want to hear about what you're working on. And so we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, Marissa's going to tell us about the studio that she's in right now, where you can find her, and all the cool projects that she's hosting. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. Good, everybody. Welcome to the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast with special guest Marissa Roberto. And we have to make a short disclaimer. Mm. Uh, Marissa's camera battery might die at some point during the segment. Yeah, we're going uh, we to roll the dice. Figure out. <laughs> yeah, we're going to roll the dice. And we're like, let's just do it and go. So if at some point she just disappears... That's why, and Brittany and I will. End I'll pretend the show. to be Marissa. <laughs> just know that I care about y'all so much, and also, like, I I just love that we're rolling dice because Andrea, I feel like you also kind of got me addicted to gambling. Oh, oh, you're so, blaming me for that? Yeah, yeah, full on, full on <laughs> blackjack addiction okay. because of Andrea, and like now, still, I'm I'm playing Red Dead for you know the blackjack for the blackjack. Oh, God, nice. yeah. So I'm not gambling <laughs> my own money. Please plan another trip to old Vegas. Hell Let's yes. Let's go. You know Britney's in. Oh, yeah, oh, love Britney. Let's do it. I made yeah, the mistake yeah. of going to old Vegas last time. They have a zip time. line in downtown uh, oh. Vegas now. Okay. They've redone that. all this stuff down on Fremont. It's like, um, it's, a, it's a fun little place down there now. All right. Uh, made the mistake of dressing up and going to old Vegas. That was wrong of me. Oh. Oh. Definitely should <laughs> yeah. not have done that. Old Vegas is very much like a, a, a jeans and t-shirt kind of vibe. Uh, yep. Forgot from the first time I went. <laughs> went down again, met my husband, and I was just like super annoyed because I was just standing on the corner like in my short skirt. And like when you're in regular Vegas, that's not that's not not anything. Oh, Everybody's dressed that expected, way. Expected, yeah. Yeah. So, but when you're in old Vegas dressed that way, yo, you're getting some haulers and some looks and you just feel very uncomfortable. So I just like, yeah. it brought my mood way down and I could not enjoy old Vegas the way we Aww. had once. So uh, it's okay. I was just being a brat. But um, no, next time we will hit all of that. My God. Yeah. Next, whatever Vegas adventure might take place. I don't know. Well, well, I think we just have to plan something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we will we will connect we will connect and plan a thing, yeah. and then we'll vlog it for everybody listening. Perfect. All right. So before we get into our feature segment for this week, I would like to thank Stitch Fix for sponsoring this part of the show. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and your lifestyle. Go to stitchfix.com/slash what's good and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick items to send right to your door. Then you try them on, pay only for what you love, and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required, and you can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, and it's applied towards anything you keep from your shipment. If you guys get started now at stitchfix.com slash what's good, you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all of the items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash what's good to get started today 
One more time, stitchfix.com slash what's good. And I just got a new box. And I have been searching for the perfect pair of white denim for literally years. And it finally arrived. Yes. And I'm bringing it to PAX. And I'm bringing it to Florida after PAX. I'm so excited about it. I love Stitch Fix so much. Oh, my God. Are they they ripped? What What are they... No, so they are not distressed. So okay. they have they're they're kind of like high water. So it's mm-hmm. like you know just a little like an inch or two above the ankle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's just something about the fabric and the cut that finally fits perfectly. I think the brand is Pistola, and what I love about pants I get from Stitch Fix, and I'm wearing a pair of my Stitch Fix pants right now. I'm wearing my Madewell jeans. Is that they introduce me to brands that I probably would never pick out in a department store. But then they send them to me and I'm like, oh, these are super comfy and nice. And then I put them on and I'm like, oh, so this is what a good pair of pants feels like. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I've been missing out on. Because, you know, so so many times when you see stuff on the rack, you can't mm-hmm. have the vision for what it's going to look like on a person. And that's what I love about the stuff that I get from Stitch Fix. And Brittany, you've got a bunch of pieces from them too. Oh, hell yeah. So I'm always a jean and t-shirt kind of girl. Like, you know, the low cut jeans and like a video game t-shirt. That's my thing. But Stitch Fix has introduced me to high waist jeans, to some really cute heels, to some really cute shirts and jackets. I wear them. I get compliments. I'm like, yeah, I did not do any of this. But thank you for saying you like my style. No, but it's been really great. And it's really opened my eyes up to styles of clothes that I never thought I would like on me. But yeah. I'm like, oh, actually, I can I can rock this. And it's it's been really fun. So every time I get a new box in, it's literally like a little mini Christmas. I get so excited. It's the first thing I do. I ignore my husband. I ignore my dog. And I go straight yeah. for the Stitch Fix dog. The bo- I just said Stitch Fix yeah. dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. Important things. We knew what you meant. I mean, you are in your dressing room just like caressing this box, being like, it's yeah. okay, girl. Do you want I a love treat? You. I mean, <laughs> if Stitch Fix wants to start sending dogs, that's fine, too. I will take them. <laughs> well, that seems crazy. <laughs> or at least dog clothes. There. <coughs> there you go. They do kids' clothes, I think. Okay. Um, anyway, again, we love Stitch Fix. Marissa. Yes. You have been a fantastic guest all show oh. because you are always on point and know your stuff. And that's why I love hanging around you. Oh, and sweet. I want people to know how great you are. So oh. we have been mentioning that you are in a studio. And yeah. you guys can't see the whole photo because of how I have it cropped oh, to yeah, fit yeah. into our overlay here. But... Um, what, where are you at? What's going on? Okay. So I am in my studio for squad. So, uh, it's a daily show Monday to Friday on Twitch. It's just twitch.tv slash squad state. Um, and it's mostly esports. We cover some gaming as well. Uh, our first show that we air. So it's about an hour, I would say around 8 PM Eastern it airs. Um, where Brody and I, my co-host just argue, like we basically just tell each other that we're (laughs) stupid and each a shut up and we have have a we have a mute button so um, there are topics that we take on so if it's gaming or esports one of us reads the topic and then we both kind of converse about it and if one of us gets out of line well we have one mute per episode uh, that we can inflict on the other person I mostly just like telling him to shut up so I don't like muting him um, but because when you mute he's already automatically shut up um, so he gets <laughs> muted we talk about whatever it is we talk about so many things to argue about so many things going on in the esports world and the gaming world that there's just an infinite amount of spicy topics. Um, so it's just like a daily um, Monday to Friday thing. So I get here and film that 
um, in the mornings, kind of around 11. Before that, I'm at TSN, which is ESPN's sister station here in Canada, uh, where I shoot a show called Digital Sports Center, and that is on Instagram. So TSN's Instagram uh, on their stories, like three minutes. I'm just giving you what you need to know about sports that just happened the night before, or just like meme things that might have happened in the sports world, or like athletes posting interesting things to their Instagrams. Just like really fun, like bite-sized way to get into sports. If you've never gone into sports before, I'm having, for the first time, I'm having women reaching out to me saying thank you for something, which is so strange to me because I haven't had that audience. Like my Instagram following is basically 90% male. Like my demographic is 90, 10, which has always kind of plagued me in a way. Like I've always just wanted to be cool with women, you know, even though we're living in these very male dominated spaces. So, um, for women to reach out and say that, like, thank you for this show, the sports show, because they're able to have conversations about sports with their husbands. Now, like they pull names out of nowhere, just like impressing their husbands that they know what they're talking about. It's just kind of exciting to know that I'm, I'm able to use this platform to bring women into sports that had never gotten into them before. Um, but it's also just like a great way to get your bite size three minutes sports, get in your face. <laughs> while you're on the toilet or whatever like it's an instagram Perfect. story you know just like get it in yeah um yeah so that's like a daily so that airs every day at three eastern and they delete the story the next morning so you kind of just have to get it in that day because it's only fresh in that moment um yeah so it's basically just like sports i, I live a sports and esports gaming life daily monday to friday and then uh sometimes i'll host like esports events on the weekends or do um xbox sessions or i do some stuff with xbox canada here as well so i'm just trying to keep busy just trying to be out there, um, you know, hustling, living the good life. Girl, uh, I know. The Listen, they call me the busiest lady in the business, but I feel like you may have <laughs> overtaken me. That's not true. That's not and true. And like props to you. Hell yeah, girl. That's not true. We're, I think we're just all, uh, we're, we all feel very lucky to get to do the things that we do and talk about the things that we talk about because these were our hobbies. Like when I went to journalism school, I knew that I wasn't going to be happy covering covering anything like news because I just felt like it was so depressing to me every day. Like I wanted to live in something that I knew I would love to wake up the next day and be excited to talk about. So I always said I wanted to cover baseball or video games and I would be happy doing either of those things. And I've somehow been able to now manage doing sports and esports and video games uh, daily, which is great too, because we get to, like, I just kind of get to live in these worlds, right? That's all we were, that's all I really wanted. Like, we always want to kind of please our younger selves. So like being able to, if I could, you know, tell my younger self now that no, you can actually talk about video games and get paid for it. Like that would have blown my tiny mind. It's just so, it's so exciting that we get to do this and just have um, a platform to do these things. So I just feel blessed and try to be grateful for these things that we have every day. Because you never know, like, they can get taken away from you. I was really sad. I was really bummed out when EP got canceled um, off of Canadian television here. And I didn't know, you know, what was next for me. And, uh, yes, it's just like you kind of had baby burn. Like, you just weren't sure if, like, this is the right fit for you. Maybe you can't make money in this world anymore. But there always is that platform. There's a way There's a way for you to find the thing that you love to do. And I'm just so happy that we kind of all have figured that out for ourselves. You know? Amen. I mean, yeah, you are crushing it. And I'm so happy to see all the stuff that you're doing. Because I remember you and I talking after Electric Playground yeah. was going away and, you know, kind of being like, you know, what's the next thing? What yeah. am I going to do? And it's that it's that forever grind of somebody who works in the uh, in the media space. You know, it's crazy, like listening to you talk about your journalism degree story. And mine is like, literally identical. Yeah. Like, I went to journalism school and was like, 
I went to journalism school going, I want to be Lisa Ling. And I came mm. out going, Lisa Ling is way too badass for me. I can't do that <laughs> job. It's too hard. It's too sad. Um, I need fluff news. Give me the red carpet. Give me Hollywood. Give mm. me video games. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to do something that brought joy to people's lives. And I'm so glad that you're doing that for women in the, in the sports space because a lot of people don't know the extent of your incredible baseball fandom. Oh, yo. I'm heavy into it. <laughs> I am heavy into it. So much so that, like, I... That's the thing, too, is that, like, I don't even know at this point how to tweet anymore because I don't know... I don't even know if anybody following me wants to hear about baseball or if they want to hear about games <laughs> or if they want to hear about sports. Like, I don't even know. So I'm just, like, tweeting about cookies. Like, I don't... I'm not... <laughs> I have no clue how to please people. So at this point, I'm just like, hey, it's baseball season. Just remember, everybody, you're going to get annoyed with me. So you just want to go into your little options on Twitter and just mute baseball or like MLB or Blue Jays. (laughs) Just like because it can be pretty annoying, right, if you don't care about baseball in any way. And I just learned that the average age of a viewer watching baseball now is like 57 years old, like something crazy. Wow, that's so old. I know. So we're we're. I know you kind of like baseball, I mean, it's not old. Everybody listening, that's 57. And that's not old. Actually, no, no, I'm no. It's not. It's not old. It's just save, odd Andrea. to. It's odd to hear because it's just kind of like young people now are only into things that will please them quick, right? You need something fast, um, something that they can still, I guess, be on their phones and pay attention to. I feel like that's baseball, but um, mm-hmm. they just can't. Uh, I don't know. I, it kind of makes me sad. Like I don't want baseball to go away. I don't want baseball to die out. Um, so I'm kind of holding on to this old-timey sport. It's a good old-fashioned American <laughs> sport that I love so yeah. much. Um, but Andrew, you, like, you love sports too. You're all about that football life, girl. Yeah, no, Brittany is too. We kind of oh, nice. like go toe-to-toe because she's a Seahawks fan and we're mm-hmm. division rivals with my Minnesota Vikings. And, um, you know, we're in the hiatus period now, taking a little lull from football, which is which is nice. We can focus on some other things. But um, I enjoy sports. I always grew up in a household that watched a lot of sports. Um, what I love about sports, particularly in America, is that it just there's a, such a sense of camaraderie mm-hmm. in them, and that's what I love about it. And I, I, they're just really fun. I mean, Britt, like, how did how did you get into football? Mm. Oh man, yeah, same sort of thing. <laughs> My entire family just have always, I always grew up watching the Seahawks, watching the Mariners, watching the Sonics, rip in peace. <laughs> I know, it makes me sad. Yeah, so I mean, I've always, it's always been a part of my life and something I've always enjoyed. You know, I love going to the games and whatnot, but oh, it sounds like my camera's frozen. It's oh, back. No. Okay, it's back. <laughs> Never yeah. mind. Never mind. It's I'm back. back. But yeah, oh, wait. So I got to just like, just keep talking. I'm going to okay. fix it in OBS. Just okay. keep going though. Oh boy. Okay, so, but Marissa, so baseball yeah. is that your sport of choice or do you have it, others? Yeah, that you it's love always as been much? my, it's always been my sport of choice, but now that I've uh, done more of these uh, sports centers every single day, like, for example, I had never, I hadn't gotten into basketball as much. Like I knew who play, I know the teams, I know the players, like I know the coaches, but I don't watch that much of it because um, it had never, it had never interested me. But now that I'm living in their drama and there is so much of it, <laughs> oh yeah, I can't, I cannot help 
but feel intrigued and compelled to watch more of it. Now, it's just so funny how all of that works, right? Like, we just need a personality or we need just one player or one coach, one manager to, like, kind of entice us in some way or we learn their story and then we can jump in. And I feel like that's the same way. It's the same thing happened to me with baseball. It's like I started serving. I was a cocktail waitress at the Rogers Center here um, in, like, the suites, the um, luxury suites, basically. So all I did was sit there for nine innings. If somebody wanted a beer, I'd get them a beer. But for the most part, I would just be there. So I might as well get to know these players and learn everything about them and just get excited about certain players coming to the mound and their backstories and how they interact with each other. And all of that is just so much fun to take in. Like, it's so much fun to discover and enjoy. Um, and also, like, talking to people about these sports they love and why they love them so much and what got them into them. And a lot of it is, like, nostalgia-based. A, a lot of it is, like, how they related to their fathers or their mothers even. Um, so sports is just, like, this... Uh, especially for Americans, I feel like it's very like deeply ingrained, especially in childhood. Um, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I didn't have that here with my family, but I got it when I moved to Toronto and I just started working basically slang and drinks around sports. And that's how I got into it. That's awesome. Got to slang them drinks. Yeah. Yeah. I loved slang and drinks back in the day. <laughs> it was a, it was a rip roaring good time. Um, <laughs> So what's uh what's next for you? Like yeah. you're doing obviously your plate is full at the moment. Do you yeah. have anything on the horizon that you're looking forward to, whether it be work related or maybe like family life? Obviously, you got married recently. I Congratulations! Did, yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Like, yeah. What, what do you like? What's next for Marissa? I have no idea. I feel like everything is kind of just happening and I'm just in trying to enjoy the moment. Uh, I, we're not planning. I don't know. I feel like, uh, I guess, you know, I'm getting older, so I should think about those things. And I, I guess I sh we should plan if we're going to have a family or not. I just don't really, I feel like I really like living in the bubble that is right now. Um, and I'm just enjoying every moment that I have now in these really cool jobs uh, that I have, but I'm always down to, like, I never say no to an opportunity that sounds so cool. Like, which is why I, you know, started doing these Xbox sessions because Xbox US started reaching out um, to like just meet cool people and talk about things that I love. Like that is so exciting to me. And even just meeting e-athletes or like e guys who play esports. Like Andrea, I know you lived that life too for a while. The esports world. And these boys are just like boys and girls. They're just all over Twitter too. And they air out all their dirty laundry. There's no media training at all. It's yeah. so exciting. <laughs> yeah. All of it. So I just love, love meeting it. them and talking to them and getting their personalities too. I just feel like this world has so many incredible things to offer. And the fact that we get to live in this space, um, talking to other people that live and are deeply ingrained in this world. It's so exciting. And especially when they started airing Overwatch on ABC recently. I don't know if you guys saw this, but people yes. were not happy. Oh, you know, yeah. People not in the gaming space were very upset. So yes. just to see that they're not living in this space and to kind of open their eyes to it, it's going to be a fun ride. I feel like where esports is going, it's going to be a, an interesting experience uh, to see how the people on the outside of this world view it. Yeah, so let's bring talk about that. So I think it's fascinating watching this experiment because I yeah. feel like I'm the only one saying, listen, I'm not hating on esports. Esports mm -hmm. has found its audience. There are mm -hmm. millions of people around the globe that love it. But people in esports keep trying to cram it into a mainstream audience. And I just mm -hmm. feel like it's never going to work for a variety mm -hmm. of reasons. And you are much closer to it than I ever was. Yeah. Like, what do you think about it? Um. I think that it's going to be hard for the average person to understand why 
this makes sense. And I also think that uh, I don't think that Overwatch is the game to do it because it's just such a hard game to comprehend if you've never played it. Um, even just watching it competitively, there's so much going on um, that I understand the reservations that people are having seeing it on their TV for the first time. Like, what the frig is happening? Like, even trying to watch League of Legends or Dota for the first time, like, if you've never played these games, there's no friggin' way they're going to be able to get into this. You've got to get into a game like Rocket League or anything that has a very Fortnite, basic premise. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, Fortnite, yes. Okay, for the kids, definitely. And Fortnite is a great way for parents to start understanding what is happening in the esports world because of all these different tournaments they're putting on now too. And it's like their kids' window into gaming as well. So many kids now are just yeah. playing games for the first time because of Fortnite, because their friends are playing Fortnite. Like, if this is the gateway drug in, like, cool, I'm all for it. Um, I just don't know what... Because uh, because all these different sports um, teams and owners now are getting involved as well because they see it as a big cash grab, right? So it's yeah. just going to be a rocky road here for a bit, realizing that a lot of um, investors are coming in, just kind of tossing money everywhere. And we just need to wait for the bubble. The bubble needs to pop at some point so we can see where the dust settles. Like. I I don't think it's going to be Overwatch, even though it has a massive following. I love that. I'm not sure how that's going to play on TV. Um, it, it's it just way needs too to be fast paced. It's so I've, fast. I've played Overwatch and I can't yeah. watch professional Follow Overwatch. It. It's like there's so much happening on screen with like yeah. all the colors and the abilities and everything and the, the, yeah. the switching back and forth. I'm like, it's dizzying. Like a yeah. mainstream audience. I'm not surprised people revolted against it. Mm-hmm. No, neither. I am like I. your suggestion of Rocket League, though. That yeah. makes more sense. Something that's rooted in a sport people already kind of sort of mm-hmm. understand. I mean, I think yeah, most they'll see the soccer, soccer ball and go, "I know that thing." Yeah, exactly. It's very, very simple premise, and the boys that uh, play it. Uh, there's one girl, Karma. She's really cool too. But um, they, they all have amazing personalities too. And the way that Psyonix is kind of building that scene is interesting. Like they very much have a stronghold on it. Like they, they are controlling everything about it, which is I feel like is good. It could be a little bad too because you want an outsider's perspective in there as well. Um, but you still want publisher control over this game. I just don't know how. I I really want these personalities too. Like my co-host Brody uh, is a caster for RLCS, so for their league as well. Such a great personality, so funny, um, so charismatic, and I would love for uh, a sports world to kind of get to know these esports personalities too, because they have like sports training. Like they're very good at being, you know, commentators and color analysts, and to have a broadcast where people can actually tune in, get to know the get to know the analysts. Get to know the players and just kind of like watch a little game of carb soccer ball. Whatevs. Easy enough to get into. It just needs to be something like that. I don't, I feel like the NBA 2K League is there too because you understand what's going on with that, but it's a niche, a very niche audience. So you want like some kind of broad audience that brings in the money. You also need to have cities attached to it, which is why Overwatch League is so successful um, because that's the only way it'll shine. Now, Call of Duty just announce something that they might be doing uh, with investors having to buy in and having cities attached to it because they're seeing the money that uh, Overwatch League is bringing in. So that might be something, although it's hard to sell a shooter like that, yeah. a very realistic style shooter on a cable network. So I, I don't know. There's got to be <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of uh, shuffling around, should mm-hmm. we say. Maybe take Call of Duty and give them all squirt guns. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, some tell kind of that skin. to the pro players. Tell <laughs> the Nerf guns, right? Oh <laughs> Little my darts. Gosh. 
But the Call of Duty players, then, if you want to follow any scene right now, it has to be like fighting game scene, FGC, or Call of Duty. Call of Duty, oh my god, these boys are airing all over the dirty laundry on Twitter. Like, it is drums central. It's very entertaining. Job <laughs> security, too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I know. I feel like esports players in general, unfortunately, have an air of immaturity to them, mm-hmm. which doesn't bode well for a public facing thing to put towards the masses about video game culture at large. Because okay. I'm like, I always have to go back to my parents and be like, this, trust me, this thing that you saw does not represent and is not indicative of the games industry at large. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have people who are acting a fool on social Mm -hmm. media, no matter which industry you're in. Just look at like film, music, what have you. There's always people doing crazy stuff Mm -hmm. online. For sure. um, But are those the people that are those the personalities that you attach yourself to? Like, will those personalities bring more people in or deter them? Like, that's that's the question. So these kids, honestly, like, yeah, you could see them as immature. And I I totally understand that because sometimes they are and, and they're just being giant babies on their Twitter. Twitter, and that's just exactly they are what's kind happening. of giant babies, really. If you think about right, it. because because think of think of getting signed to an org at a very young age, having money, getting money every week to play video games, like, and you're just with your bros, and there's just like dudes playing games together. Like, there's no how how is there any chance for you to grow, really, as a man outside of that because you're living in this space and getting paid for it, so you're being rewarded for the the attitude that you yeah. had this whole time. I just so, find it such a striking difference between the way yeah. young esports players are and the way young mm. professional players are mm. when it comes to traditional sports, whether it be young NFL draft players, NBA, MLB, what have you, whatever professional mm. sports organization it is. It's just such a marked difference. And I know like um, there's a lot of restrictions on um, – or not necessarily restrictions, but – preferences for players going into professional sports organizations versus going mm-hmm. into esports because a lot of esports players will drop out of school and yes. not be incentivized to stay in school whereas it's different with traditional sports there's a lot of incentive to spend all four years in school playing for a college football team and then yeah. entering into the NFL draft versus dropping out right and so mm-hmm. i just find the the dichotomy very fascinating to watch i'm not saying it's like bad one way or the other clearly these are all young men for the most part with the exception of some yes. female players here and there but watching it play out and how the players conduct themselves mm. is like a, a thought experiment in human culture to say the least <laughs> it is yeah they have i mean there's so many different now colleges offering esports programs which is uh, very cool. Um, excited to see that. Oh, just so they can get some kind of education. But if you think about like sport, like actual athletes going to play at their whatever you know school, um, they don't really focus on like what are they really focused on? They're focused on playing the game to you know whatever please scholarship whatever they whatever scholarship they had. So like, are they maturing as humans? Like, when does the maturity come in? Does it come in when they get the media training? Is it that they need media training? Oh, oh it Okay, well, let me try to pull up uh, a quick two-shot with you, Brittany. Will you message her and let her know? I was just about to say, you know what? We've run out of time. We almost made it to the end for her camera to not... Um, to not uh, break down. But um, a big thank you to uh, Marissa uh, for making the time to come on the show. She is 
Such a wonderful person. Um, if you guys want to um, follow her and find her on the internet, we've had her Twitter handle on the video at youtube.com slash Games. Oh, <laughs> whatever you're texting is coming up on your Skype screen. Oh, no. <laughs> so don't, don't message anything. <laughs> it said we almost made it. <laughs> so we'll see what she says back um at marissa roberto on twitter as you mentioned as she mentioned she is doing her show twitch.tv slash squad chat no squad something State. I'm, I'm messing it up i will put the links into um the the description down below on both on podcast format um, so please do follow her. She's such a lovely person and a wonderful human being. And if you're into baseball, she's a big Blue Jays fan, as you might have caught from her. <laughs> uh, we, of course, will be live at PAX this weekend. If you're listening to this and you're in the Boston area, please come to the meet and greet Saturday the 30th from 2 to 4 p.m. at King's Entertainment in Seaport. And uh, cross your fingers that all goes well with our recording of the panel at uh, <laughs> And we'll touch base with you guys next week when we're back on the show. Um, We love you all. Have a fantastic weekend. Goodbye.